Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It is Tuesday, August 27th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, election lawyer Adolfo Mondragon returns. We welcome back our good friend Mark Sims. And it's the return of the Southside political know-it-alls, Jerry Brown and Tom Shepard. Now your host, Southside Political Know-It-All, Northside, East, West, all the sides, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Wilson Picket Line Tuesday, and here's why. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Speaking of Tuesday, have a good weekend, D. Yes, I did. Yeah, all right. A great weekend. I saw a movie. Okay. Saw a movie. Uh, Blinded by the Light. If you're a Bruce Springsteen fan, run, don't walk. You better really run fast. This movie is bombed at the box office. It'll probably be pulled by the end of the dentist. not in his head. Yeah. I will not... walk very slowly <laughs> to see that one. Not a big Bruce Springsteen fan. Uh, Dr. D loves Tom Petty, though. If there's a Tom Petty movie, he's first in line to see it. If there's a Tom Petty movie out there, I won't back down to see it. How about that? So, and I won't back down. Anyway, I saw that movie. I started watching a new TV show, Mindhunter. Freaky weird. Uh, have you heard about this TV show, D? No, I have not. Uh, Mindhunter, it's about the FBI agents exploring the minds of serial killers. Really weird, but I have to admit I'm hooked. And I finished reading a great book, City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. Uh, at the end, I was weeping. Weeping, I tell you, D. Aww. It was like two in the morning. I love this book, City of Girls really big book and when i was you know you have to really commit to finishing and i was <laughs> anyway woke up today and said it's time to get down to business no more crying over books no more cheering over bruce springsteen Thank movies. God. no more getting freaky about tv shows gotta get down to business i do not want to work with that ben jarofsky <laughs> Which one? Crying over books? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no Freaky crying TV over shows. Freaky TV shows. Uh-uh. Saw a headline in my Tribune. Home delivered. CTU rejects new contract proposal. Lightfoot counters. There's real number, real money on the table. Yes, indeed. It turns out we could be, could be, D, on the threshold of a teacher strike in the city of Chicago. Haven't had a real teacher strike in the city of Chicago since 2012 when Mayor Rahm was the mayor. We had a, like a one-day experimental strike, I think, in 2014 or 15, um, and then it faded from memory. Anyway, uh, so i got to uh, make a point right up front. Uh, when it comes to teachers, I just have to disclose this, D. I think it's safe to say I'm pretty much always, 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 always on the side of the teachers union in fights with mayors. And this goes back 
to the 70s uh, because I have to disclose this. My mother, may she rest in peace, was a Chicago public school teacher for many years. I've talked about this on the show. And uh, she was a teacher rep for many years. And I believe she was on nine strikes, D, nine strikes. You believe that's a lot of strikes, okay? And so uh, growing up, I was well aware of teachers having to go on strike to just sort of like ranch arrays out of the Board of Education, some all-powerful mayor back in those days. It was Mayor Daly and Mayor Belandic. Uh, and I, mean, I think my mom was a teacher during the Harold Washington strike, the strike that took place in 1987. Anyway, so I'm always, always, always on the side of the Chicago uh, Teachers Union. And I like to tell Stacey Davis Gates when she comes on the show, who's like the vice president of the Chicago Teachers Union. Back in the day, Stacey, teachers weren't on strike. Teachers were teachers. They were men and women. They didn't go on strike in September when the weather was warm. They went on strike in the middle of December when the weather was cold. And Stacey's like... God, I have to hear this again. But uh, yeah, so anyway, I'm a, a, a supporter of the teachers union, generally speaking. That puts me opposite with the Tribune. Uh, Tribune is generally on the other side of things. This is one of the reasons why I have my issues with the Chicago Tribune. The Chicago Tribune's attitude toward teachers is shut up. <laughs> Oh, Stop talking. asking for money. The, teachers, the Chicago Tribune's editorial board has been against every single teacher's uh, strike since the 60s. If they had their way, teachers would still be making whatever they made in 1966. So you might say uh, that if uh, Chicago has extremes in regards to teachers, the Tribune's over here and I'm over here, or maybe the, te- the Tribune will be here on the right, I'm on the left. Anyway, I'm generally on the side of teachers. Not only by the, not always, by the way, do I agree with everything the Chicago Teachers Union does. I must add that. The, the last uh, issue over uh, the group of teachers who went down to Venezuela and suddenly weighed in on Venezuelan politics, issuing statements about how great Venezuela was. I thought, I don't know, guys, you're losing sight of what you're all about. You're supposed to be about contracts for teachers, looking out for teachers and students and parents in the city of Chicago. So I not always agree with everything the Chicago Teachers Union uh, does. Uh, Anyway, as far as I can tell, the big issue in this strike is not so much money. I believe that the Teachers Union and the city of Chicago, and Lori Lightfoot is basically the one who's negotiating with them, Mayor Lightfoot, are pretty close uh, when it comes to money. The teachers want their raise over three years. The, The board, as I understand it, wants over five years. So they can probably work that out. The issue, it seems to me, has to do with the putting into the contract protection for jobs like what they call wraparound services, like nurses and counselors and uh, whatever, uh, therapists of various kinds uh, that um, uh, I believe the students need uh, if we're going to have a 21st century civilized school system. Uh, The Board of Education uh, claims that they've already hired some nurses and uh, therapists and uh, counselors, and they don't really need to codify them in a contract. They don't need to protect them uh, in a contract. Uh, They want that freedom. All right, that liberty uh, to maybe not have them next year. Whereas the board of Edu- uh, the teachers are insisting that a certain number of uh, like a librarian in every school or a nurse in every school, and the board of education, uh, I'm not feeling that because they want the freedom, the freedom to fire these uh, nurses and therapists pretty much whenever they can. And I believe that a civilized uh, Chicago public school system should have, every every single public school should have a librarian. This is one of my pet peeves back in the days of Rahm when he was firing librarians and forcing principals to decide between having a librarian, let's say having a Spanish teacher. So sometimes they would move this librarian uh, to the Spanish, to teach Spanish. They would have nobody in the library. I, I don't know why uh, a school system that claims to be one of the best uh, urban school systems in the country would want to do away with librarians but 
there you have it. Um, and they didn't want to make that commitment. And apparently they still don't want to make that commitment. So my general attitude about this deal goes like this. If the city of Chicago is going to say that, just to pick one example, Sterling Bay, the developer, has a contractual right to the $1.3 billion that Mayor Rahm wants to give them, to give them or Mayor Rahm got the city council to agree to give them, uh, to build a development, Lincoln Yards, in an upscale neighborhood. If the city of Chicago says they have that right, uh, then I think the uh, teachers unions, the teacher, every school in Chicago should have the right to a nurse and a therapist and a counselor. All right. I would say that nurses, therapists and counselors should come before handouts to developers to build uh, upscale developments and gentrifying neighborhoods that don't need a handout to begin with. That's just, just my opinion on a general basis. And I'll remind everybody that Lori Lightfoot, as we speak, the mayor of the city of Chicago has her lawyers in court fighting uh, plaintiffs. I just wrote about this is fresh in my mind. Uh, fighting the grassroots collaborative and raise your hand coalition who are in court uh, battling that tiff that 1.3 billion dollar handout to sterling bay Lori lightfoot has her lawyers in court fighting them on that saying they don't have standing trying to get the judge to dismiss their case so that contract uh, can uh, stay and the sterling bay can get their 1.3 billion dollars so my general attitude is that if the city of chicago can afford to give 1.3 billion dollars uh, to developers on the north side of Chicago in a gentrifying neighborhood than it could afford to put a librarian and a nurse in every school in the city of Chicago. And I think most people in the city would agree with me on that. And if they don't, go read the Tribune. We got a great show today, everybody. Yes, indeed. Adolfo Mondragon will be in the studio, uh, our election law expert. Oh, we're going to be debating. We're going to have a great debate about uh, Michael Madigan and uh, Jason Gonzalez, the great Madigan-Gonzalez debate. Adolfo has one position. I have another. be interesting to see how that goes. The uh, legendary Mark Sims will be in the studio. He's got his own podcast now, and his latest show features Dr. D. Yes, Dr. D, uh, talking about all kinds of issues of race. That's rating. me. I'm Dennis. Oh, yeah. That's my name. And uh, did he call you Dr. D or Dennis in the interview? I can't remember. Yeah. I think and, he called me Dennis. Uh, Mark will be in here. Okay, his thoughts on, on uh, Lori Lightfoot. It's time to give Lori Lightfoot grades, okay, everybody? And, <laughs> oh, my goodness, big budget speech coming up. I didn't even mention that. We've got the big budget speech. So we'll see what Mark has to say about Lori's big budget speech. And then, of course, uh, it's like it's like a South Side theme today. D. Adolfo is from the South Side, from back of the yards. Mark Sims is from the South Side. Rosalind, uh, well, that's where he was born and raised. Uh, Jerry Brown and Tom Shepard, the, the South Side political know-it-alls, will be in the South. Southsiders everywhere. Where's your uh, Chicago White Sox hat, D? Oh, man, I left it at home. <laughs> well, at least you're not wearing a Cubs hat, all right? Mm -mm. Uh, I don't think he would ever wear no a Cubs hat. So we got a lot of uh, political talk ahead of us, but before we do any of that, the doctor with the news. Oh, uh, Mayor Rahm wants to weigh in on that intro you gave. Take a chill pill, Matt. Oh, okay. Thanks, Mayor Rahm. All right, everybody, it's the middle of the day. Let's do the local news. Two stories involving our Chicago mayor that we must discuss but we begin with the Illinois governor. I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> That's right. Jonathan Bartholomew Pritzker. <laughs> Is that his name? I don't know. I don't know what it stands for. I think it's J. Oh, oh it's just regular J? I don't know. I just like J-A-Y? I should know that. Oh. You know what? I look it up on my phone. Yeah, look it up while we're doing a podcast. <laughs> sure. Now, if you've listened to the show or followed yeah. Illinois news in the yeah. last month, you already know this fact. Governor J.B. Pritzker loves signing legislation. We're still waiting to see what bills he's going to sign today. The deadline to act on bills approved by the General Assembly is approaching. J.B. Pritzker's hand hurts really badly. 
and he still has about 20 bills awaiting his decision. And while we were telethoning it out over at the office of the Chicago Reader on Friday, according to the Illinois Journal Register, and I'm mentioning their name because I still don't believe it, Ben, according to the Illinois Journal Register, J.B. Pritzker put the hammer down and acted more than 130 bills into law on Friday. Wow. Put some ice on that hand, buddy. Oh, my God. That's a lot of signing. Oh, my goodness. Carpool tunnel coming soon for J.B. Pritzker. (laughs) And because we would really like to keep a listening audience for today's program, we're not going to cover all of them, okay? okay. But we will do three. Number one. Okay. J.B. Pritzker signed legislation that allows Illinois treasurer and the tallest man in Springfield, (laughs) better luck next time, Gazzardi, Michael Frerichs, to acquire the Chase Bank at 1 East Old State Capitol Plaza. The bank is donating the building to the state. Oh, I've not followed that particular issue, so I'm going to not jump in on it. Well, we've met Michael Frerichs. He's been on our program before. What do you think of old Michael Frerichs? What's your take on him? Michael Frerichs. Michael Frerichs has got... We used to bring Michael Michael Frerichs, because he's from downstate. Remember this back in the old days, D? Ah, the old days. Yeah. Uh, and Before we would, he got fired. Uh, yeah. Uh, and Michael Frerichs would come talk about uh, getting Trump uh, voters downstate to vote Democratic. That was one of our favorite themes. And he's successful. Uh, that That's where his roots are. Uh, and uh, so he's a bright, positive point uh, voice for the Democratic Party in terms of trying to get those downstate voters to vote Democrat. And for 10 trivia uh, points, D, when was the last time you saw Michael Frerichs? Last October. Uh, was it October or September? <laughs> I'm just guessing. I don't know. <laughs> September. Uh, Labor Day. He oh. was at the Labor Day oh, picnic yeah. and, and Sue Garza's ward. Yeah. And there's a picture of you with him. And there's also a picture with you uh, with Lori Lightfoot. And oh, one picture, pic- you're towering over uh, the person, Lori Lightfoot. And the other one, you're getting towered over by Michael Frerichs. Uh, there's a picture of me and Michael Frerichs? Yeah, there's like you, Frerichs, me. I think Jacob Kaplan is in that picture as well. Young Jacob. Interesting. Yeah. Number two. <laughs> All right. If you just joined us, we're going over. Uh, <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> we're going over some of the legislation passed on Friday by our Illinois governor, J.B. Pritzker. Apparently, according to Illinois Journal Register, nearly 130 bills signed. We're doing three of them, right? Mm-hmm. We're on to number two. Pritzker also signed legislation designed to promote cooperation between the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum and the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library Foundation. Well, yeah, it's a busy day. A lot of legislation. <laughs> I really don't know anything about that one either. But I bet you JB is well-versed on it. Oh, uh, you know he uh, is. Ban the differences. That's my JB imitation. Oh, that's actually not bad. Uh, Have you ever been to the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum, Ben? Uh, negatory. Really? Yeah. Is it in Springfield, did you say? Yeah, it's in Springfield. I was in Springfield once. Maybe I was there. I just forgot. It's been oh a long time. God, quit smoking pot. <laughs> no, I went to a wedding there. You're kidding. Yeah, it was really nice. Who got married? Uh, I'm not. Well, how about my, that? My friends that? Chris and Leanne got married. So nah. <laughs> uh, that's really sweet. Yeah, it is pretty sweet. Number three. <laughs> All right, our third one we're going to read here. And yeah. hey, th- this law, way to go, Illinois maker, uh, lawmakers on this one. Governor J.B. Pritzker signed into law Friday. Oh, look at I'm terrible at running this camera. Okay. Uh, J.B. Pritzker signed into law Friday a bill that prohibits people from smoking in vehicles if anyone younger than 18 is also in the vehicle. Wow. That's a bill? They yeah. Pass? I, I, I missed that one. Let me think about that. I got, this is a good one. I should talk about this with Adolfo, a uh, constitutional law expert. So in other words, um, if a dad is in a car with his son, just throwing this out there, the son is 15 and the dad lights up a cigarette, it's now illegal 
to smoke in the car with the kid. But if the kid's not in the car, he can still smoke? Uh, under the new law, someone smoking in a vehicle with minors could be ticketed. A first offense can garner a fine wow. of up to $100, and subsequent offenses can be fined up to $250. Electronic cigarettes. I know you love those e-cigs, Ben. <laughs> oh, he walks in with the e and No, he doesn't. Uh, electronic <laughs> cigarettes are exempted yeah. from the bill, all right? Oh, yeah, they exempted electronic cigarettes. And also still no word as to what uh, a minor smoking in a car may yeah, be charged that's 15 a, that's, that's a very good point. <laughs> Could the kid get ticketed? Because daddy, uh, it's the kid. You know what? I can see fathers handing the cigarette. Here, the cops here. Take the cigarette. <laughs> Kids taking the cigarette. Oh, it was the kid smoking. Officer, not me. So still no word as to what a minor uh, smoking in a car may be charged. But uh, the law stipulates that it doesn't matter if the vehicle is moving or parked or if the windows are open. However, officers cannot or officers cannot stop a vehicle simply because they think an adult is smoking with a minor in the vehicle. Oh, I see. So that if you just happen to stop the vehicle for another reason, like, like he goes through a stop sign and you see yeah. that. What driver? Well, drivers, you've been alerted. Throw the cigarette out. Okay. Hey, what's that 13-year-old doing smoking <laughs> back there? Uh, by the way, D, you're a libertarian from downstate Alton. What's your view on this bill? You know what? That's kind of weird. I don't know. I got to think about the bill. That's yeah. fine. Yeah, because it's kind of bad to be smoking with a kid in there. It is bad to be smoking. I was, I, have, I felt one of my um, highlights of the Rod Blagojevich administration for me was when he banned smoking in public places uh, through a state law that exempted that uh, that forced uh, the bowling alley where I bowl to put a ban on smoking. It was a great day in my life when I didn't have to go to Monday night bowling and just to have people blowing smoke in my face. Uh, so, you know, I, I guess uh, I, mean, I can't complain about this bill. I'm not going to cry about this bill. All right. So now uh, moving on to the mayor, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Today, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot spoke at the IBEW Union Local 134. Ben, quick, what does IBEW stand for? Oh, come on. International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, our good friend. And uh, thir- he was just on the show on Thursday. Was it Thursday? Jeff Johnson? Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. You remembered Thursday and IBEW. Good and Jeff job. Johnson, man. Oh my Thursday goodness. was a long time ago. You were a lot right. of TV shows, a lot of books, a lot of movies ago. And sports. We're not going to talk about the Cubs. Thank you. Um, You're on top of it today, though. You're on top of it. Uh, Lori was there talking pensions and said pensions are absolutely a promise, but structural changes need to be made. Here's a bit of today's speech from Lightfoot. Quote, In this state, we do have significant challenges with our pensions. Unfortunately, decisions that were made by people who stood in my office for years, people at the state level, they didn't make sure that your pensions were secure. But pensions are a promise, and I know that again from my upbringing. When you work hard and you struggle, in particularly when you're doing work as a government employee, you have a right to expect that the work that you have done is going to be rewarded at the end of your working life with a pension that pays you not just a living wage, but a comfortable retirement that you can build on. I'm with her 100%. I wish all of us had pensions. So I I think that should be the goal, just like universal health care is a goal. Uh, Taking care of old people. I'd like to point out to our younger listeners, one day you too will be old if all goes well. I don't know what you're talking about. All right, moving on now. Last week on the show, after we learned that she is nearing 100 days as Chicago mayor, well, we decided on the Ben Jarofsky show to channel our inner teachers and give Lori Lightfoot a grade okay, for her yeah, performance thus this. far mm-hmm. as Chicago mayor. Ben, what grade did you give uh, Mayor Lightfoot on Friday? All right, you're asking me to go back in time. That's me going back in time. I believe I gave her an A for not being Rahm Emanuel, uh, which I think uh, everybody would agree with me. That's what she deserves uh, for not being Rahm Emanuel. 
and uh, I gave her uh, an A for uh, chastising Ed Burke and basically taking away his power. Finally, someone stood up to Ed Burke. It was long overdue. Uh, Mayor Rahm should have done that, and Mayor Daly should have done. Richard M. Daly should have done that, but they chickened out. Uh, but then I gave her a D for Tiffs, uh, as I recall, and I may have overgraded her on that. Um, I do not understand why her administration is so vociferously fighting the lawsuit by the Grassroots Collaborative against the Lincoln Yard TIF. So I gave her a D on TIFs. Uh, and then uh, I said I have to wait until after the budget speech and after the budget session before I give her a grade on budgets because... I don't really know what she's going to do with the budget. So uh, that's, I believe that was the grades I gave. That was the grades I gave her. Well, you said you may have overgraded. Would you like to uh, go back and give a new grade to Little Lightfoot now that you, oh, wow. <laughs> Come on. I, would, I just wrote about it. It's fresh in my mind. I read the, the briefs that were filed by the mayor's lawyers, uh, the city's lawyers, and I read the briefs that were filed by Grassroots Collaborative. I do not understand why my lawyer Lightfoot is fighting this lawsuit, and I do not uh, find meritorious the issues that they raise. They're trying, they're, they're arguing that uh, Grassroots Collaborative and Raise Your Hand Coalition do not have legal standing to file a case against the city in a TIF. Uh, so what, we're just as citizens, we're just supposed to take whatever they do. We don't have standing. Whatever, like we live in, these emperors that just govern us. Uh, we all know that there was not a legitimate discussion or analysis of that TIF. We all know that deal was shoved down our throats in the last meeting of the the Rahm Emanuel administration. We all know there's some peculiarities by the for, virtue of the fact that Ed Burke, uh, who was the former finance chair, was the uh, property tax lawyer for the developer, had been the property tax lawyer. So for all these reasons, we have serious concerns about that TIF, and just because they they rushed it through at the very end does not mean that we the people of the city of chicago should not have a right to uh, take it to court and examine it and see if it's in our best interest so i'm very disappointed with the laurie lightfoot administration for fighting that lawsuit well it looks like a, a group of community activists have taken to our idea and they have also given laurie lightfoot a grade on her performance thus far as she reaches 100 days a chicago mayor we're going to read those grades but first shout out to our good buddy frank on Facebook, Governor Pritzker's full name, J. Robert Pritzker. I knew it was J. I just forgot the Robert part. Yes, very good. Frank, Frank knows everything. By the way, Frank, we'll see you at the hideout next Tuesday, September 3rd. Just a little transition there. Frank uh, many times shows up at the hideout uh, for first Tuesday. Mick and I will be solving all the problems of immigration. All right, D, we got some guests. We're going to solve all the problems. Last month, we solved all the problems of health care in this country. And on uh, next Tuesday, we're going to solve all the problems of immigration. So I look forward to doing that. Who are the guests? I don't know. Oh, Mick, okay. Mick all right, but that, you got a mission at hand, <laughs> yeah. all right? Actually, I think I do know that, uh, but I can't remember. I don't want to misstate their names. Like I said, community activists have taken to the uh, same idea here. They're giving Lori Lightfoot a grade. Yeah, their grade is uh, way more thorough. Uh, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times. Rachel Hinton and Nadir Issa, a group of community activists, gave Mayor Lori Lightfoot a, a dismal D grade yeah. for her overall performance during her 100 days in office, saying that she's failed to enact key parts of the progressive agenda that she campaigned on. At the news conference, the activists issued their overall grade as well as specific grades in several areas. Majors and others who want more money from homelessness and affordable housing programs gave Lightfoot a D in that area. Uh, the rest of the report card, she got an F for not passing the Civilian Police Academy 
Accountability Council ordinance. Mm-hmm. She got another F for not fully supporting an elected school board. Another D for not yet closing loopholes in the welcoming city ordinance that allow for police collaboration with ICE as well as ordinance or executive order to protect Chicagoans from Trump's racist raids. Another D for not ending the use of money bond, which would reduce pre-trial incarceration. And three... Count them three, incompletes. One, for not passing the Community Benefits Agreement housing ordinance to stop gentrification and displacement caused by the the Obama Presidential Center. Another, for not reopening the city's shuttered mental health clinics. And the third, for not yet establishing an office of gun violence prevention. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts? Yeah, clearly the progressives of the city of Chicago are using this opportunity to put some pressure on Lori Lightfoot at the outset of the budget session uh, to come to terms with them on these all these various issues. And uh, my overall thought is that, as I stated during the campaign, Lori Lightfoot is not a progressive. She has never been a progressive. And by that, I mean that somebody who is sort of at the forefront of all these social equity issues, which is really what these issues are uh, that these activists are presenting. Lori Lightfoot is a corporate lawyer. As such, uh, she's general, generally used to defending and preserving corporate interests. Uh, she was largely elected because she uh, had a squeaky clean image and the citizenry finally took revolt against the old ways of dealing, at least by Ed Burke's of the world. Uh, So it was almost like a a revolt against Ed Burke and Lori Lightfoot was the beneficiary of that. Uh, Now, she defeated Tony Preckwinkle, just to go back in time a little bit. I always argue that Tony Preckwinkle was uh, not a progressive either, that Tony Preckwinkle was basically a Chicago Democrat and Chicago Democrats loved to cut deals with corporate interests. So if you think of it this way, folks, Tony Preckwinkle will be cutting an interest with corporate Chicago, as represented by Lori Lightfoot. And these same progressives who are mad with Lori Lightfoot would probably be mad with whatever agreement, whatever deal was cut. That's just generally my sense of how things have gone over the last 20 years. I don't feel so bad that Lori Lightfoot was elected over Tony Preckwinkle uh, from that aspect. But this pressure, if you want if you want her to reopen mental health clinics, uh, if you want her to put a community benefits agreement in uh, to protect people from gentrification in the aftermath of constructing the Harold Washington Library, you're going to have to force her. You're going to have to put the pressure on. And one of the ways you do that, D, is to give her grades uh, at like significant moments, like 100 days in. By the way, Tony, uh, Lori was not happy with the grades. Yeah, that's what that? I heard. I heard. Yeah, she was not happy with that. She felt it was just arbitrary to, I think she called it a hallmark holiday, just as arbitrarily state 100 days in and give her a grade but she reminded me back in the old days i didn't like getting grades either d's especially when they were d's and c's uh, i don't know about this grade thing why we gotta get grades anyway can't we all just get along anyway Lori didn't like those grades i'll tell you what about something else about Lori lightfoot she got a counterpunch oh you give her a bad grade she's gonna come after you all right well this is not Lori lightfoot's episode of the ben Jarofsky show today because we went to the facebook page and asked all of you to give us a grade of oh, Lori lightfoot okay on her first 100 days yeah. we'll read a lot of your responses here uh let's go ahead and read some of these that we got at benny j show by the way b-e-n-n-y the letter j show Feel free to weigh in with your grade on Lori Lightfoot in her first 100 days as mayor. Sam. Sam went to the Facebook page. Sam puts, well, she's done just about everything I expected. So F. (laughs) That was really funny. What's that, my Sam? Yeah, that's your Sam. I love Sam. You own that Sam. (laughs) No, but I know that Sam. Oh, okay. On to Tom. Tom weighed in. Tom says F. Wait. (laughs) F minus. (laughs) 
I thought that was a hyphen, but it's a minus. F minus. F minus. How can you get a minus? F minus. I mean, it's like an F is an F. It's what it is. You can't be worse than utter failure. Okay. Tom says F minus broke every camp, uh, campaign promise she made and is intent on consolidating power in her hands. Yeah, well, I mean, she is content on consolidating power. Yes, she's uh, <laughs> the mayor of the city of Chicago. And uh, I'm not sure she broke every promise she made because, she, like I said, she didn't really run as a progressive. Now, it's true. She did run as an a, a, opposition to Lincoln Yards Tiff, and she is kind of breaking that promise by fighting the lawsuit. Uh, valid point there. All right. Moving on here. Benjamin. Benjamin weighed in. Mm-hmm. Ben gives, not you, but Benjamin gives Lori Lightfoot a D. He says, Tiff's potential teacher strike, holding grudges against politicians who ran against her, siding with the CPD on the bail stuff. The list goes on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, D. Well, by that but you know, having read his comments, I think he was kind of an easy grader on her. You know. Oh, hey, here we go. Some the glass half full over at Alan's house. Alan says A plus for kicking ass and taking names. The machine is dead. Okay, well, I would not say the machine is. I don't even know what the machine is anymore. If by machine you mean Ed Burke, uh, yes, Ed Burke. Well, his power has waned, to put it mildly. Uh, but maybe there's a new machine in town. Lori Lightfoot has her own political action committee. So I don't know. Maybe it's the little Lori machine as opposed to the Ed Burke machine. All right, we'll do two more. We got Beto. Beto weighed in. No, not Beto. Beto Aurora. Aurora. No, just regular old Beto. Okay. He says, F, for having Rom's team negotiate the new school contract with the CTU. What's up with that? If you need to lower crime, there is peer-reviewed research on what works. Who is Lightfoot listening to? Tiff reform? Where is it? Missing in action. Affordable housing? Kicked the homeless to the curb recently. Seems to be following Rom. Well, um, I can't argue. He makes a lot of good points there, particularly in the issue of the homeless. We talked about this last week. I'll probably be talking about it uh, in days to come. And specifically, uh, Lori did campaign on a promise. Okay, this is a broken campaign promise. Uh, she wanted to put a, uh, she proposed a, uh, a transaction tax on the sell on the sale of real, very expensive homes. I think homes beyond the a million dollar range, doing this off the top of my head. And that tax would be used to fund programs uh, to fight homelessness, maybe a ho- new housing programs, etc. Uh, and then over the the last couple of weeks, her administration has backed away from that. And they say if that new uh, tax is employed, they want to use the money uh, just for general obligations. So they're not going to be dedicating it to fight homelessness. And many activists are upset about that. All right. We'll do one more here. Our good friend, Candace, Candace Castillo, re- reoccurring guest on the Ben Jarofsky show. She says F plus the plus <laughs> is for Burke. Okay. Come on, Candace. That, Burke's bigger than just a plus on an F. All right. That's a pretty big deal. So come on, give her an A for Burke. Come on, let's be fair. So there you are, some uh, local news there. Like I said, feel free to weigh in with your thoughts on the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, at Benny J Show. If you're watching the Facebook live stream, hey, just go over to the post and leave us your grade for Lori Lightfoot uh, with her first 100 days as mayor coming up. You know what else is coming up? Football season. Oh, ready, set, 2020. Okay, that that's the football <laughs> noise there that Ben makes. It's almost football season, which means that the best sports reporters in Chicago want to offer you, yes, you, our listeners, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all of the stories that you love. Ben, make that noise again. Ready, set, 2020. Huh, huh. 
2020 hut hut everybody hut hut 2020 or 2020 hut hut i don't know don't miss a game this season get all the big plays and scores and stories from the chicago sun times for a limited time only you yes you the listener can lock in our lowest rate yet only 29.99 for a full that's f-u-l-l full year of all the news and sports that you need to know stay up to date on breaking stories get the deep dives and investigations from sun times reporters and go deep inside city hall with the best in-class political reporting and, of course, cheer for the big games with the best sports team in the city. $29.99 for a full year of unlimited access. You cannot do better than that. And Take advantage of this exclusive deal now at suntimes.com forward slash Ben. Make that noise again. Reset 2020. Ready, set 2020. Hut, hut. Or you can do blue dog, blue dog, or red dog, red dog. Whatever you want to do, it's the quarterback calling out signals. It's up to you, listener. Blue dog or red dog. Or ready, set, 2020 hut, hut. Yeah, either way. (laughs) Don't go anywhere, people. The Ben Jarofsky Show will be right back. (laughs) And after this break, we are going to hear from our good friend and election lawyer, the one, the only, Adolfo Mondragon. You are listening to The Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian Hannibal Burris. The real reason I came home is just because I was trying Traveling a lot anyway. I wasn't in New York that much, and I don't have a full-time job in New York. I work a lot, but I'm not in New York, so it was just like I don't, I don't need to be here anymore. And, I, and also, I just wanted to work on different stuff here in Chicago. So I have this center that I'm working on on the West Side, Melvina Masterminds. It's gonna be arts and and then a tech program and after-school programming for uh, kids in the, in the North Austin area. So. Just wanted to be back. There we go. October 12th through the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city, you must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to chicagoideas.com. That's chicagoideas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th hey that commercial breaks over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show live from the chicago sun times yes indeed we are live we are at the chicago sun times and adolfo mondragon is with us in the studio and uh adolfo i we have a whole list of by the way adolfo mondragon lawyer election law expert uh uh, candidate for office on the southwest <laughs> side, though no longer, and a big Bernie Sanders supporter. So eventually, huge, gonna, uh, a huge Bernie Sanders supporter, and we'll get to eventually the issue of Bernie in the polls. The Bernie, the latest poll that just uh, came out, I think it was yesterday. Right, but uh, if you read every newspaper, he's in third place. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you read the Monmouth poll, uh, he's he's tied for first place, and uh, 
with the other liberal in the race, the right. other progressive in the race, Elizabeth Warren. We'll get to that. Uh, uh, but uh, Adolfo, welcome back. Thanks Thank for you. sitting in for Maya. Maya's on vacation and beautiful. I think she's in Portugal. Uh, so wow. we take care of our uh, guests. Wow. <laughs> I can't say I send the Portugal. Dude, yeah. you need to send me over. Yeah, you send you our, you'll be our correspondent in beautiful Portugal. Uh, all right, so the issue on the table, I've already promoted this, the great debate that we're going to have. And uh, Adolfo and I have been arguing, and wow, that you, are, you have the article from right. the Sun-Times. I have the, uh, you have it printed out from me. And you have actually the, the case the case itself. He's yeah. one step ahead of me, folks. I've only read the coverage of it. Uh, he's actually read the case. Uh, let's see, page 16 of my beloved Bright One. This is a lawsuit, a federal lawsuit, right? It's a federal lawsuit, it's correct? It's a federal lawsuit, right. Uh, by <clears throat> Jason Gonzalez against House Speaker Michael Joseph Madigan, uh, a leftover of the 2016 campaign. Can you believe it? It's already been 20s, uh, four years or three years ago. Which tells you how long it takes to get justice through the court system because, you know, it's barely winding down. That's yeah. not even the appeal yet, yes. you know, if they do appeal. If they do, by the way, and, and that <clears throat> issue of, I'm not sure I believe it's justice uh, in the court system, but that's part of the debate uh, that we're going to have. So I will do a brief summary, uh, and then uh, you tell me if I'm accurate in my summary, Adolfo, and then give your a summary, and we'll take it. This is a philosophical debate that Adolfo and I have been having almost since this election right. uh, we were on opposite sides of the election all right so in 2016 no we were well okay yeah well, i don't know that we were on the opposite, opposite sides, sides of but, the election. Okay. okay in 2016 <clears throat> at the height of bruce rauner's uh, war on michael madigan rhetorical right. war on michael madigan with bruce rauner governor of the state of illinois depicted michael madigan as public enemy number one the face uh, that was the, the person, the personality, the public figure who was more responsible than anyone else for everything that was wrong in Illinois. That was essentially what uh, Bruce Rauner did. A gentleman named Jason Gonzalez challenged Michael Madigan in the Democratic primary for state rep, all right, on the southwest side of Chicago, not far <clears throat> from where Adolfo lives. And um, Madigan's forces responded uh, by uh, putting up two phony candidates. It's pretty obviously that they did that with Hispanic surnames right. to confuse the voters. Uh, apparently, Michael Madigan's political forces had such a low estimation of the intelligence. Well, of I voters. guess in this case, it wasn't to confuse. There are other situations where they put similarly named individuals to confuse. Like they'll put, um, you know, uh, 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 Jesus Garcia against Jesus Garcia. You know, that's uh, that's a situation where here I think the claim was that they were in the race to siphon off Latino votes. Okay, well, all right. So, which is uh, uh, you know, it's a, uh, distinction. It's a distinction. I don't know how important that distinction is. It's but still some type of trickery or fraud. Yeah. Right? All right. Jason Gonzalez is the 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 man who was running against right. Michael Madigan, uh, and the other candidates were named Rodriguez. I'm just using the right. last name and Barbosa. Uh, now, or anyway. Uh, Madigan trounced Gonzalez. Madigan won 65% of the vote to Gonzalez's 27%. And in the aftermath, Gonzalez filed a, a civil rights claim against Madigan. What? What's what's essentially his... So he filed the lawsuit initially with a bunch of different claims, including state claims like defamation. But at the end, it all whittled down to one issue that he was allowed to proceed on <clears throat> after even amending the complaint twice. And uh, his... The issue that that went on and eventually went to summary judgment before it went to trial, it was dismissed before it could it could get to trial, <clears throat> was the issue of whether or not the act of 
um, promoting to sham candidates violated Gonzalez's equal protection right to run for office. If this act of um, deception, trickery, fraud on the public interfered with the electoral process in such a way that it violated Gonzalez's right to run and maybe even people's right to vote in a fair election, right? And so they ran on the basis of a case that set a test out for a sham candidate situation. And it has four elements. You have to meet all four. And the reason why the case got dismissed was because it couldn't meet one, perhaps two of the of the elements that are required. And so <clears throat> without getting too boring, basically he met the first couple of elements. He basically Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Right. So according to the test from this case, the first uh thing you must establish is the the ballot must include a sham candidate defined to mean a candidate who has promised to step down in favor of another person of elected. The issue here was, well, did they really decide that they were going to step down if they won that? um, And the judge says, well, ultimately that's not as important. It's just important that it's a sham candidate. Okay. Gonzalez meets that. He proved that the fraud must be undisclosed. Um, or you know, there was a conspiracy among individuals. He met that. There must be a reasonable possibility that the sham candidacy affected the outcome of the election. Um, he said it's questionable, and the alleged uh, misconduct must constitute state action. They never got to that. Actually, number two is the one. The fraud must be undisclosed. So it was a conspiracy in the sense that they had to depose um marty quinn and kevin quinn and uh madigan these are operatives or political operatives marty quinn all the alderman kevin quinn his and brother certain other operative. individuals within the the madigan the, organization the madigan organization and from these depositions the judge said okay yes we can conclude that this was all done at the behest of madigan and for his benefit but this thing about it being undisclosed, the judge said, but it wasn't undisclosed in the sense that Gonzalez brought it up in the media immediately that these individuals were sham candidates. And therefore, at that point, the judge said it was no longer disclosed. It was in the realm of the public and the public had the opportunity and it was in the realm of the political world. And at that point, the public had there was a, a light sh- shined on it and the public now could punish Madigan for having done this trickery if they so chose and they did not choose to do that. Absolutely. And therefore the case was dismissed. I, I agree with, listen, the, uh, let me, before I get into what I agree, I just want to make sure see what your thought is in this. Do you believe that, uh, as the, the lawyer for Madigan says that, Madigan has a constant, these candidates have a constitutional right to be on the ballot, even if they have no intention uh, to run a legitimate campaign. Don't they have a right to be on the ballot? So I, I mostly agree with that. Where I have a problem with that particular line of argument in particular is in our county, in our state, we have an electoral system that is, makes it terribly hard for individuals to get on the ballot. And so while we live in a system that makes it hard for grassroots individuals to get on the ballot. I don't think that it should be fair to have also a system that allows incumbents to run sham candidates very easily when they're, they're promoting the rights for these sham candidates who have no intention of winning, but you're, um, you're working within and uh, fomenting a system that generally 
denies individuals or makes it difficult for them to get out. I, I'm with you 100% of there. We, so far, we're in so agreement. So that's, that's, that's not only a hypocrisy. At, at the very least, it's a hypocrisy. It may not be illegal. Yeah. And so there's a hypocrisy down here, and we're going up the slippery slope, right? Yeah. Or down the slippery slope. So in the middle, it's hypocrisy, but maybe immoral, unethical, and then illegal, right? And so- I don't know about the I illegal. Think, I think it doesn't get to illegal. Well, in this case, it didn't, but it could have. Well, let me put it this it way. It could have. Let, let's explain a little bit of what you're saying so folks know exactly what you're saying, because I agree with your point about the hypocrisy. Uh, Michael Joseph Madigan has a lawyer named Michael Casper, and uh, this Michael Casper has memorized the election code, and he uses uh, his mastery of the election code as a weapon to knock off anyone, or not anyone, but many candidates who choose to run against Michael Madigan allies. He does that on the north side, the south side. He does it all over the city of Chicago. He does it for state rep candidates, state senate candidates. He does it for aldermanic candidates, right. and this is a way that Michael Madigan consolidates his power by letting a uh, sicking Michael Casper, his election law expert, on candidates. And so you're absolutely correct. It's inconsistent and hypocritical for Michael Madigan to employ Casper like a watchdog to punish anyone who dares to run against a Michael Madigan ally at the same time promoting a fraud camp. Right. I completely right. agree with you. That's utterly hypocritical, but it's not necessarily illegal. Well, but it, in this case, it could have risen to illegality. Had Gonzalez not gone on uh, the media, the news, and said, I think this is a sham and brought that to light, had he not been aware that it was a sham, for example, until after the fact, there's a very good chance he could have had a good case that goes to the jury on that. And then it would have been a situation where the 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 sham or the trickery or the fraud the intentional interference with our sacred electoral process rose to an illegality but even if it doesn't rise to an illegality i think that again our electoral process is supposed to be sacred one of the fundamental things of our democracy and for us to allow uh with impunity and this kind of interference even if even if in the end it was still a landslide. Even if in the end this guy disclosed it and people were aware of it, the fact is that we allow it with impunity. We're allowing an interference. It might not be an interference like the Russians coming in and, okay, so there are different levels of, of interferences, but it still lies in the realm of an interference to our sacred system of voting, and that's what bothers me. So whether or not at this point it rose to an illegal action Okay, but this one got really close. I think the issue is Ill Ill illegal or unethical. I definitely think it's unethical. I also think that Jason Gonzalez had his own issues, let's be honest. Oh, yeah, yeah, with right, the, right. With the notion of shamness right. because there were because a lot of Because Rauner was backing him. Yeah. And he was, he was, his deception, which wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't using the system, but it, it technically, well, it was because he declared himself a Democrat in a primary when... His intentions may have been to have run as a, you know, as someone helping out the Republican Party. Well, the reality is this, that as running against Michael Madigan at that moment in time in 2016, uh, he was clearly, whether he want, want, would admit it or not or, or believed it or not, was an ally of Bruce Rauner. And that's why I personally 
uh, wrote my column saying that if I lived in that district, <laughs> I would vote for Michael Joseph Madigan. Right. Uh, right. I can't believe I'm saying this because right. I've been fighting Michael Madigan and his powers of be for all these right. years. But on the issue of standing up for union rights in 2016 against Rauner, I would have stood with Madigan over Gonzalez. And I still would stand with Madigan over Gonzalez. And that's, I think, where you and I had our debate. Yeah, because, well, I didn't live, in, I don't live in that district. And I, I, although I have some relatives, and I think ultimately I said, well, you know, just vote for Madigan. But because this guy, I, I knew he didn't have a chance anyway, and I didn't like a lot of the things that this guy, his baggage, mm -hmm. in other words, his background. Um, so I didn't like him for other reasons as well. But I, I have a lot of trouble with the fact that we allow uh, incumbents to abuse of the system in this manner, particularly when Madigan kicked his butt. He, he didn't need sham candidates in the end. And yes. most of the time it proves, right, you don't need a sham Absolutely. candidate. One out of ten, when you do a sham candidate, it may have made a difference. That's why one of the prongs in this test is, would it have affected the outcome of the election? I think for most election law cases... That is one. You have to prove that it would have been detrimental. But for this happening, would this have changed the election or could it have well, changed and, the and, and the other point I made when I made this either a column or in the air, I don't know if I made it to you, so I'll put, do it now, is that everybody has a low estimation of voters uh, in this district. Michael Madigan has a low estimation of voters. Clearly. Clearly. They're so dumb. Oh, that could be confused. Just put a Hispanic name in there. And I believe, don't quote me on this, but I believe one time he was challenged by one with a Polish last name, yeah. and he put a Polish uh, right. sham candidate. And he might have put a, I don't know, because she was Mexican-Polish, so it was like, he may have put a Mexican <laughs> person there, too, or a woman, like because she was a woman. Yeah, let's just throw let's a just woman cover, in there. Let's just cover oh, every basis. Yeah, all the women will be like, ugh, no, we'll no. A woman, we'll put a poll, and we'll put a Mexican. Yeah, so you know, yeah, this is old school democratic tactics. Uh, they have a very low estimation of the intelligence of the Chicago voter. And by the way, I can understand why they would have a low uh, estimation of the intelligence of the Chicago voter, given who the voters keep reelecting as their mayors. Right. And so I'm just putting that right. out there, Adolfo. All right, now and, and let me bring up another thing. Okay. People who defend, who come on your show or talk to you in interviews, and then you publish your article, who defend the signature and the objection process that we have here in Cook County and in Illinois always say these rules and the court has agreed that you must accumulate certain amount of signatures to prove your worthiness and, and or to show your true intentions yeah. of running. <laughs> well, uh -huh. here comes the F-bomb. Well, what the fuck, man? Because if that's the case, if that's the justification yeah. for having this onerous system of getting on the ballot, then how come you don't care about intentions when you put up, you call a guy, hey, Madigan wants you run. It's all phony and everything. We'll collect the signatures for you, but you know, you just lend us your name. Well, listen, I've had this argument with my good friend, Ricky Hendon's so many times he's a master the maestro of kicking people off the ballot and i'm more of a libertarian i believe i believe in open ballots right. and people should just be able to run uh now and now the other th low estimation of the intelligence of the voters in this district comes from the gonzalez camp uh because their uh, assumption is that the uh, follow me in this folks the 5.8 percent of the population who voted for rodriguez the the sham candidate thrown right. in the race and the two percent who voted for barbosa uh were confused that they would have voted for Gonzalez. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, what if they were not confused? What if they just didn't want for vote for Gonzalez because they would view that as a vote for Rauner? And they wanted and, to vote for a, a Latino, yeah, but not Madigan. They didn't want to vote for Madigan. Right. So, so in, in that case, they could vote for Rodriguez. Right. No, And you know what? 
Adolfo, there are probably instances where I might vote for a sham candidate. Uh, over Just as, a, as, a, as an opposition vote, right. Yeah, as an opposition And that's vote. only because this type of sham was not the confusion type of exam. The, compu- the confusion one would have been Gonzalez with a, another guy with the exact same name. And then there, the argument would be slightly different. But here, yeah. I mean, here, clearly, if you, you, if you voted for the guy, it was either because you didn't want to vote for Gonzalez and Madigan. Or you were related to one or the other of the people. That's probably the likely reasons why you voted. Now, in a sham where it is about, well, Chewy's running against us, so let's put another Jesus Garcia. And then they'll be like, <laughs> man, which one is it? And then I'll vote for yeah. Jesus number two as opposed to Jesus number one. That's a different That's argument. A different, that no, that yeah. you are intentionally confusing individuals. Well, right? uh, and I don't know if it comes into uh, uh, a uh, constitutional issue, uh, a racial discrimination issue. I remember back in the day, Robert Shaw who was an alderman at a political powerhouse in the Is he the guy side. with the nuts? Uh... No, no, that's Bill Beavers. Oh, Bill uh, Beavers, right. okay. Uh, but Robert Shaw was... Uh, the put guy up with a... the nuts? Uh, oh, he had a cool, famous quote about, uh, oh, what wait. was it, the the hog with the most nuts yeah, or something like that? Yeah, the hog with the biggest nuts. With the biggest nuts. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, he, William Beavers was an alderman on the 7th Ward, and he was a Cook County uh, commissioner and had a way with words. And I believe <laughs> uh, he ended up, um, he got in trouble. I mean, he may have gone to prison. But anyway, he, uh, neither here nor there, uh, it, uh, Robert Shaw, a totally different politician from the south side of Chicago, uh, put up a candidate to run against Jesse Jackson, whose name was Jesse, Jesse Jackson. Jackson. Exactly. <laughs> and that is another type of sham, but that one is intentionally meant to confuse you. Yes. Whereas this one is meant to siphon off a particular because of your ethnicity or whatever. Well, right? also, it's, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it is intended to confuse you. If you're just going to vote for the Hispanic guy, you right. have to. It, the notion is, is that uh, you don't know enough about who the Hispanic know, you know, that you want right. to vote for, but you vote for this yeah. one. Instead. Well, I know there's a Hispanic guy voting but it must be this again, one. But right. which one is it? And, right, right. and frankly, uh, if, if they're being honest, a lot of operatives for the regular Democratic organization would tell you. For instance, here's another conventional wisdom, which, which really shows the low estimation that uh, operatives have for the intelligence of the Chicago voter. Uh-huh. When, there, when you have many candidates running, like we have 14 candidates running for mayor, there's a lottery. And whoever gets to be the number one name oh, is considered right. a benefit. Like the voters of Chicago are so stupid, they're just going <laughs> to vote for the first name they see on, the, on their ballot, no matter who that is. Agree with me that that shows a low estimation of the intelligence of the Chicago voters? It does, voters? but although maybe with judges, in a race with judges where people don't aren't informed, that might actually be an, uh, an advantage, a statistical advantage for them. All right, in your humble opinion, by the way, since you mentioned it, should judges be appointed or elected? Go. They should be appointed. <laughs> well, appointed, really? You yeah. don't you don't trust the well, the uh, federal system is appointed, and it mostly works really well. There's generally this idea that federal, well, maybe not with the Trump era here, it might not be true, but generally under both Republican and Democratic administrations, the quality of a federal judge is much much higher than the quality of a state judge. Generally, well, speaking. it's because the job pays more. Well, that may be, but it's uh, also a more, it's, it's a more prestigious office as well. Yeah, or that, in the eyes of individual, because in the eyes of a plaintiff, if I have a choice, if I have a case that could go either in federal court or state court, 
I mean, I care, but if I'm a lawyer, I'd be like, I'm going to federal court unless I'm afraid to try in federal court, then I go to state court. Well, see, then that's just you a know? decision. That's a purely tactical decision. But but the judges themselves, the quality of judges, if you line up the judges from the Northern District of Illinois and compare their resumes and their opinions and whatever versus uh, any of the judges, the, the cream of the crop in the circuit court of Cook County, you'll get some good judges in Cook County, but overall, the, the elitism of mm-hmm. you'll be all Ivy League people, all Supreme resumes. May's clerk for Supreme Court judges, blah, 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 blah. You know. Uh, full disclosure, uh, Dolph Mondragon is an Ivy League person. <laughs> yeah, but, but I never clerked, and I, I'm certainly never not a judge in the Northern District. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you on this one. I, I'm, in general, I'm more for tra- uh, democracy than appointments. I would prefer the system we have, as insane as it is, and I acknowledge openly that most of us have no clue. What uh, percentage of individuals do you think actually read the CBA or the ISBA you know, comments on judges and the grades that they give I would them. say it's less than 10%. Yeah. It's, and it's, and it's I go in there, and I'm, uh, I used to have cheat sheets for so many. I probably had a big sway on like photos because people would call me. Like, I knew that, you know, oh, yeah. Ben, you know everything. Or- and when we get a really bad judge, it's really hard to get them out of office. Only when the the actual county, like this past uh, time around, mm-hmm. did the county uh, point out one judge. They were like, we're not going to recommend them for. Yeah, that, and they, I, I and they made that judge. They yeah. made an effort. But there was at least four judges that were horrible that should have all. All, all right. So if you were the judge in the Jason Gonzalez, Gonzalez, Michael Joseph Madigan lawsuit, how would you have ruled? You know, based on this case that sets out these prongs, I think that the judge actually made not, you know, when I first read it, I thought, oh man, this judge is probably smoking crack or something. But after I read the reasoning behind it, I think that he came out with the correct outcome. I like the fact that he does point out that certain things you, you a jury could have found in particular that Madigan, though he denied it, said, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. But he's an idiot because he's a lawyer. And if he remembers in depositions, whenever you say, I don't remember, that's the equivalent of an admission. You can't dodge a yes or no. Is that for true? Yeah. I remember when uh, Mayor Richard Daly, I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, he did the same thing. Uh, When he, oh my God, the deposition, sometimes did a great job with it. There was a deposition that Daly gave in a, a... uh, that trial having to do with the Clout Cafe and Millennial, Millennial oh, Park right, right, right. Uh, and the awarding of a contract to run a cafe, a very yeah. lucrative corner of Millennial Park, somehow or other. They gave it to uh, the uh, not the lowest bidder, whatever, the best bidder for the city. Yeah. Uh, and so when they were asking him a question, deposing him, every, I, I can't remember. I don't know. Like, yeah. what uh, you know, what day is it today? I don't I can, know. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> you can't dodge by saying I can't. That's recognized as a dodge. You could say it, but... For all purposes, the judge said, I construed those depositions as demonstrating that even though they denied that, that they were doing it at, you know, at the behest of Madigan, you could, you could, you could come to the conclusion that Madigan directed this. All right. And uh, yeah, that's the conclusion I came to from the very beginning. Yeah, but they deny it. They could have the luxury of saying, well, you can't prove it or whatever. Now we can. Yeah. Uh, you know? Well, it's, it's, it's pretty obvious. And this is, again, a, a, a tactic And shame one. on Madigan. Like I said, he doesn't need these guys to run as shams, you know? Well, this is, again, this gets to. His, the, his. Yeah. The the the, the 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 uh, the playing field is so unlevel in his favor with the amount of resources and money and people that he has behind 
the fact that he does this is such bullshit. Yeah. You I, know? I'm with you 100%. And uh, Ed Burke was really guilty of this. Ed Burke put people through so much hell to get on the ballot. Uh, oh, and Madigan, remember with the with the, with the the young woman, the, the UFC grad, the Polish-Mexican? Yeah. I mean, if I remember correctly... I mean, they they practically drove her crazy. She said that they would drive streets and sand trucks at like two in the morning in front of her house. They had a guy creep her out by, you know, she had to get a stalking. I think she, she I thought either she did or she was gonna get a stalking uh, order against the guy from the organization for for you know walking really close to her everywhere she went i mean and by that's, the way, that's bs uh yes i'm completely in agreement with you this is some of the worst offenses of the the regular democratic organization going back for years by the way i got to tell you what's interesting curious little side the lawyer for jason gonzalez is a gentleman oh, named tony Pereira, <laughs> and he was a cook county commissioner for many years uh and he, he infamously uh marched down to the board of elections on election night because he thought that he was uh, his his uh, election for for uh, board president yeah. was uh, perhaps um, tainted, that, tainted, right? Yeah, the, with the fraud. Board, yeah, that, wow, what a memory! And who was he running against in an election? Oh, jeez, uh, um, Junior um, no, Todd Stroger, Todd correct? Stroger, yeah. uh, and I remember that very uh, well that that moment. But Tony Pareka, he lost that election. He was a Cook County commissioner. Uh, he at one point, very early on in his a life uh, flirted with being a Democrat. I think he was a member of Lipinski's organization, if I have it correct. Now he's from that side. Yeah, of and he would be. He became a Republican, and mm. so Tony, you're still fighting the fight. Uh, you and I don't see the world the same way. That is for certain. <laughs> but I have to give you credit for fighting the fight consistently. I guess. Yeah, and that's and the thing too. Like, I'd like to point one thing out. Sure. That uh, as a Republican, uh, I welcome you. You're going to fight cases like this on behalf of Jason Gonzalez, who may or may not have been uh, the ideal help, candidate yeah, or whatever. Ideal candidate. Oh, oh. I'm looking for you to get involved in uh, the cases, the battles against voter suppression of black uh, uh, voters in Milwaukee and in Detroit. <laughs> I welcome suddenly you have an interest in civil rights as it pertains to election law. Don't you think he should take that same skill set right, and right. help? Democrats and uh, I mean, you know, civil rights is civil rights, right? right? Absolutely. All right, very good. Adolfo Mundurana, and I agree on that one. Uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come right back. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago: culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics. From Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. 
To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J E F F M as in Mary, A N as in Nancy, U E L P I A N I S T.com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh, wow. Look at that building. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. All right, everybody. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, August 27th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and helping bring back our program. It's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and a giant, giant thank you to our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two of the Ben Jarofsky Show starts right now. It is Tuesday, August 27th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, it's the return of our good friend, Mark Sims, and we welcome back the Southside political know-it-alls, Jerry Brown and Tom Shepard. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed, it's a decidedly Southside theme today at the Ben Jarofsky Show. I'm not from the Southside of Chicago. I'm not even <laughs> from Chicago. Dennis is not from the Southside of Chicago. He's not even from Chicago. But Adolfo Mandragon, who's been in the studio, is from Back of the Yards. And our next guest, Mark Sims. Yes, the Mark Sims, the legendary Mark Sims, is the pride and joy of Roseland, Illinois. And of course, as you know, Adolfo, he was a distinguished graduate of Fenger High School. Uh, and uh, to this day, they talk about him in glowing terms. Mark Sims, what a brilliant 
brilliant young scholar he was at uh, Fenger High. Uh, and still to come on the show, uh, Jerry Brown and Tom Shepard, the political know-it-alls from the South Side. So, Mark, welcome back to the show. Uh, I got candy. So you got the dish? Adolfo, you brought candy, man? That's your candy over there, right? Yeah. Who that? Don't that, eat the candy. No, that's, that's it. Here you go, Dennis. This for you, Dennis. This for you, Dennis. There you go. Oh, man. Get it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Radio guys hate that. Oh, <laughs> we literally lost every listener. <laughs> like. uh, if you're not following us on, uh, if you hear this on the download of the podcast, uh, Mark Sims has brought another huge bag of lifesavers. They are, again, white lifesavers. Ricky Hendon is still objecting to the fact we do not have black lifesavers on the bedroom. Are there black lifesavers? I don't know. Ricky Hendon, when he came in, he saw the, the lifesaver. How come you don't have black lifesavers? I'm like, I blame Mark Sims. Oh, yeah, he brought the lifesavers. So anyway, uh, welcome back to the show, uh, Mark. It's good to have you back. And uh, before we uh, t- dive into the Lori's grades and uh, Lori's budget and all these other issues there that you and Adolfo will be discussing. No, Adolfo and you will be discussing. <laughs> no, you're going to You think I go into the deep dive? Uh, but you <laughs> I go to po- the shallow parts of the political waters. Uh, talk about your new podcast. Yeah. You know, it's still developing. You were on, like, what, last night? What, what, when did you do that? Last night? I, I can't remember. the interview was yesterday morning. Yesterday morning, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks. Be- no, you didn't suck. I'm still working this out. See, uh, Adolfo, I had so many people. I had some you know, friends who were testing out, doing stuff. Everything worked out kind of perfectly until Ben got on the show. <laughs> then everything sucked. And I think uh, Mercury was in retrograde. I don't know what the hell happened. <laughs> it sucks, but you know what? Because the video, the audio is low. So, but it's it's on the it's on the, what's that thing called YouTube? Yes, they can find it. The purpose of the thing is that people even only listen to like two seconds of the interview. The whole purpose of that is to go down below the video and click the link to see and hear the show. Your show, yeah. not my show, okay. your show. The purpose oh, okay. is your show, not my show. Okay, well, but, I'll take but I, it. I, I'm going to beg you to come back and we're going to so talk about So is it like a small that. appetizer before you like no, sit down no, no, and listen to the, the main no, course? It's, it's just, a, it, my thing is just a hobby to keep me out of trouble. But two and a half years after I left the public access show, I've been doing nothing. And the only thing that's been keeping me kind of alive is Ben show. <laughs> I'm serious, man. Coming on here, it's like, I mean, like, yeah, I'm going to be on the radio. I'm going to be on the podcast. I feel good. I mean, it's so it's, it's to get it fixed, basically. Well, it's, a, yeah. it's a sickness. All right, Adolfo. The question that he asked me, Adolfo, I'll get your thoughts on this. Uh, now that I'll put Mark under the uh, hot seat, on the hot seat, he asked me if I'm an integrationist. All right, that's yeah. what Mark Sims asked me, and that's what we discussed uh, in the in our discussion. Uh, he said he accused me of being an integrationist. Uh, and was well, that a loaded term, a, pejor- a pejorative? What what uh, what does it mean? In a sense that he wants people to be to live as one. I forgot that. I, yeah, that's what I he meant said. to bring in the lyrics of Zoom. You mean to force Commodores. people to live together? Is well, that no, no, just we or? all just love each other, and we there's no strife, there's no no worry, there's yeah. no trouble. It's yeah. just. It's all good. He, he uh, yeah. It, I don't know if you were saying that as it's a negative thing. I right. don't think you, uh, you were saying that uh, we shouldn't have that as a goal, but you were saying it's unrealistic because his exact quote to me was that people want to live among their own. Am I got that correct? They're birds of a feather flock together. Right, but that's only because we're programmed to think that way. That's what, And that is exactly <laughs> how I responded. Mark, no, I, I th- did, I, did I, I say yeah, that? I, that's if par- we, if you true. If you grew up in a neighborhood with that was just diverse just like these millennials are now more and more then your your belief system and your where you think you should live would be far different than yours and mine growing up like my niece for example like growing up i was homophobic because you know latinos in general you know very machismo all of that stuff 
And my ideas of that developed over time with the education that I received and the people that I was exposed to. My niece, a millennial, uh, no, post-millennial. She's, she's uh, Z. She's I know Z, your yeah, niece. She yeah. does an imitation of me. Her, her, you know, to her, terms like Latinx and everything are what what we should be using and talking about. And her views and sensitivities to other people's you know, struggles or whatever are far different than when I was growing up. And they're far more enlightened, I think. I agree with so you on that one. So it's just a matter of exposure. Yeah, I, I did say at the, at the end of the interview that I think that race relations will be a lot better as we go along as this country becomes less European-American. Right. And yeah. as we, yeah. as we uh, you know, marry each other also and, you know, people having biracial kids and stuff is a big step towards yeah, you know absolutely i agree with that so i am yes we're I long, am we're long we're long especially chicago long oh no chicago is long. so uh way it, yeah uh but we, one of the things we talked about and and seeing i have two Southsiders uh in the studio is that the, the demographic trend and i talked about this on your show uh, uh mark uh, on the south side and many uh, black neighborhoods on the south side uh, black people have moved away and so there's these like Vacant homes, vacant blocks, etc. And guess who's moving in? That's mainly Bronzeville, yeah. Well, Latinos. well, that's Inglewood. Yeah. That's why Inglewood. I, always, I always tell people, Inglewood. I have some friends with Inglewood activists, and I said, no, Inglewood prospers as a Latino community, not as a Black community. We're done, and it, it's okay because, uh, like I said, these trends. But, and these yeah, trends in the article, happening. the Sun article still says that Latinos still make a very small percentage. Yeah, did you hear the, that one? Of the I, I know because the this I'm not going to equate this. I'm going to I'm not going to say another radio station, but they had this Yale study <laughs> that uh, in Bronzeville uh, gentrification stops at uh, when the Black population is forty percent, meaning that a lot of neighbors, most of us have to be gone until other people move in right. it's like my house i told you this on the air when i bought my house 30 years ago it was valued at eighty thousand dollars i knew it wasn't going to go up guess what 30 years later it's valued at eighty thousand dollars <laughs> because who wants to live with us I, we don't want to live with each other so and, and that neighborhood is by it's uh people move there by well, default there, there's a caveat to that i read an atlantic month uh article a while back that said that people of professionals people of color latinos and uh, blacks in particular uh tend to go back and live in their neighborhoods because they feel more comfortable in their own neighborhoods than they do in maybe hoity-toity neighborhoods that they could afford because um, they don't look like everybody else and they're not treated the same, so they prefer to live in their neighborhoods. Look, you have to, I'm you a have lawyer, say, and I've never left the Southwest side. The, the discussion is, is that more race than class? Is it a class? It's a mixture. It's a mixture. Right. Of course, it's it's a mixture. Well, that's the Mark. That, yeah. That's the Mark Sims view uh, that birds of a feather flock together. Right. Uh, people want to live among their own. That's what we were at the it's, discussion it, yesterday. Yeah, but if your but if your own is like, oh, my black neighbor, my Latino. But see, know. I don't. I don't buy that. And I'll tell you, what, there's forces, and I go back to what you started off by saying. There's forces greater than all of us. So, for instance, I was telling Mark when I first moved to to the city of Chicago back in the early '80s, the North Side was a lot more diverse and integrated than it is now. There were a lot more black people right. and Hispanic. people people living all over the north side right, right. and what even happened wrigleyville right was like wrigleyville <laughs> even taken even out of that sentence wrigleyville the area around wrigley field was predominantly hispanic <laughs> yeah. and uh and, and and there were black people in lincoln park uh there were black people in uptown and there's still black people in uptown in rogers park but not right. nearly as much as there used to be and that changed through economics yeah. And so I don't think there was ever an issue. Or do you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, this? I because I, that's your side of town, which I'm sort of unfamiliar with, <laughs> especially back in those days. But I like who's the gentleman you had on the other day, for the boldest one. He was a south. He talked about Scottsdale, 
and Scottsdale 79th and Cicero. Oh, well, I remember uh, the Phil Cadner. Uh, Phil Cadner. Yeah, that was a bonus interview we did over the weekend. Yeah, and, yeah. and this is how race works. When I saw that the Phil, how you say his name? Cadner. Cadner. Mm-hmm. I saw it on Twitter, I believe, or maybe on Facebook. And I was like, who's this Uncle Fester looking dude? I ain't listening <laughs> to that. I'm serious. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That's, I mean, that's the first. <laughs> no, he's a nice guy, but I'm saying, I right, saw right, it. I said, right. okay, business is interviewing Uncle Fester. I ain't feeling that. So I didn't listen to it. But yeah. today, without the picture, uh, before I came downtown here, I listened to that interview. Only got like maybe a quarter done. It was great, excellent because he talks about the South Side, you know, Scottsdale. He's like nobody knows what's, all I remember the Scottsdale Mall yeah. at, at 79th, 79th and, uh, and uh, Cicero, right, mm-hmm. and which is not far from Burbank and blah 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 blah. But that when I was as a kid, that was all white all day and all <laughs> night. You know what I'm saying? And that's just how it is. And yeah. a lot of those uh, uh, white ethnic neighborhoods are all Latino yeah, now. Yeah. They say Latino, but it's mainly Mexican. Well, let me right? promote that Phil Kettner interview because if anybody doesn't uh, listen to it because of the way he looks, uh, I, I have to say this. It was a very interesting interview, uh, Mark, uh, because he talked about how he grew up on the Southwest side back in the days. He was one of the residents who had a really low opinion of Martin Luther King and the marchers that came through. He, he was, was a kid. He was a teenager. He was a kid, a teenager, yeah, and he was just sort of a, right. uh, going along with yeah. the trend. And he said things that he apologized for some of the things that he said and he thought. And he, uh, he said that there was another young man from the same general neighborhood, a white kid, uh, who had his own eye-opening transformation, and that would be Michael Flager, who is now the, uh, the priest, the priest at uh, Saint Sabina Church right? uh, on uh, the South Side in a black neighborhood, a black parish, and it's interesting that he uh, came, he woke, as the millennials like mm-hmm. to say, uh, from an experience that was really. Well, you get that from his mom. His mom straightened him out. Yeah. So anyway, I, the, that was very good, very yeah. honest, and that's why you know when we talked on, on on my little podcast, just ask a few questions or ask a few questions. It's on the and on the social media or whatever. You'll see it. The point is that uh, a lot of those folks are gone. In fact, most of them are gone. And 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 things that, but things, more things change the more they stay the same. Like you said, most of the people live there moved out, mm-hmm. and people are going to move. Neighborhoods going to flip. But like I said, a lot of people have passed on. I said on the show, a lot of people passed on. We talked about Trump on the podcast, my podcast. And this Trump experience or experiment, whatever term you wanted to use, is going to end. Like next year, hopefully, Adolfo. Yeah, I think so too. And I things, hope so. things, hopefully, we start moving forward, right? Now, remember, I did say on the show that I wanted my children to go to an all-black grammar school, high school, because I make no apologies. That's what I'm comfortable with. When they went off to college, they went to integrated liberal arts schools, like the one you went to, similar to the one you went to. Yeah. <laughs> the point is that I'm just honest, because remember, like I, I remember, like I said on the, on the podcast, I remember growing up, Elijah Muhammad, Jesse Jackson, Breadbasket, Black Power, right? <laughs> and speaking of Black Power, when I came here, I had to go through a lot of uh, security. Get up in here like normal. I thought the FOI. I was going to show up oh, and pat yeah. me I down. Gotta, I got to look like I was going to commit something. You got to have that with the guys the both times and pat you down, man. Yeah. Hey, man. What well, you? Uh, we're going to, uh, what is it, D? The, the wall? We're going to throw the wall away. Usually, generally. You do need security. I mean, uh, I'm well, joking. We, yeah, we I mean, it makes have, sense. Journalists are a target. So no, you, no, generally have uh, you, Leah you or have good Miles security. to help uh, our guests uh Walk through, through, get through right, it, and, right. and you don't even think about it because there's such gracious people that lead you through. And uh, but the miles, no, is, but I got the dirty. I, I didn't get the dirty look today because <laughs> Dennis came and got me. But last time I got the dirty look, just like you got me. I was like, okay, it's all right. I, 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 I'm but unfortunately, like, I, I knew how to maneuver. I was like, I distanced myself and. Look this way. But you I'm know, saying, so. I'm in my late 50s, man. With the people like, I'm not gonna rob anybody. Damn. <laughs> That's why when I talk about racial stuff, I yeah. know it's getting better, but. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's slowly. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of issues that are getting better or maybe not, I got to. Everybody's talking about giving Lori Lightfoot a grade. Mark Simpson's right. been really eager to give her a grade. But uh, we'll start with you, Adolfo. Uh, there have been grades given throughout the show. I don't know if you heard Can you that. disclose what you gave her before? Well, I, I gave her a, a grades on different it was like in, oh, back you gave in the old her, days right, right, right. so you didn't i didn't give her an overall, overall grade i gave her grades like on english and right. spanish or, you know, <laughs> in the different classes you have different grades yeah so I, I saw gave, in the news that uh some uh public interest groups gave her a d yes that the, was uh the progressive basically the progressive community of, city gave of chicago her, gave, her gave her a d, d yeah i think i was i've been thinking about it i think that if you give her a grade <laughs> in relation to like yeah. rom It'd be a higher grade, but I think if you just gave her a grade on on what the standard of of any mayor should be, or a good mayor, or whatever we think one, I think she gets a C for her first hundred days. Yeah, I think that she's done a few things just enough to keep her at a C level and, and not below uh, to a D, like the progressives gave her. I, I what I like about what she has done is uh, one, um, her her war against the. Uh, the you know the, uh, the 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 alderman's prerogative. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, like you said, is it really a prerogative? It's just it's really she's claiming the entire veto for herself yeah. now, right? Because before it was always subject to her ve- to the mayor's veto. Yeah. So, but th- the fact that it's shaking up the uh, city council, making them think, oh, maybe we shouldn't be so buddy buddy or one on one with you know just um, as uh, Porfirio Diaz, the the dictator of Mexico, used to say that uh, you know the the council or the legislator was his stable of mm. horses, you know. Wow. Um, so I, I do like that, um, but there's a bunch of other stuff that I I, I don't like. I don't like. Uh, uh, her reaction to the violence in Chicago and just singing the same old song about how it's just these, you know, judges that are letting all these people go and uh, we need more gun laws. How many gun laws can you put in the books before you admit that the laws at this point aren't going to deter individuals? It's other it's other forces that are, are, are at work. Um, I think also her, her recalcitrance, just like Ram, I think that it's kind of... You have to be careful because she's a woman and you can't say, well, women, you know, you're making fun of just that's a generous thing. But I think that she generally, just like Rom, has an issue with admitting when she's wrong. Mm. And that is a very bad thing to be to have when you're a leader. Mark, your thoughts? See, uh, Lori Lightfoot took a picture with me right here, Adolfo, right over here. So I have nothing bad to say about her (laughs) at all. It's personal. I remember that. Oh, and and a good thing. I think that... uh, Putting Waggis back as the finance uh, chair was probably the best thing she's done. All right. No, no, but all jokes aside, that you, you had Lori Glenn on your bonus yes. show I listened to this morning, and she's always good. At the very end, she talked about all these groups coming together. She said they would start like four years ago. I didn't know these groups came together. All these groups coming together, I imagine non for profits to stop the crime in Chicago. Now, and I, I think she mentioned something about Lori Lightfoot in the mayor's office, but I wish she would really, really, really work. And a lot of PR, because a lot of this stuff is PR. If people feel crime is going down, maybe crime will go down. People are like, it ain't going, it's still drama, you know. So you have to start saying it's getting better. And hopefully she works with these 501c3s because uh, uh, I live in a, not far from my house, folks died shooting the other day. <laughs> and like, in fact, about a month ago, I forgot to look it up in the Sun-Times, that somebody shot, it was like, like two or three o'clock in the morning, right? It was like six shots, Adolfo, pow, 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 pow. Then about a half a second later, about four more. Pow, 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 pow. 
just to make sure they just got it. Sure. Just to make sure. Yeah. And you get up, it's red tape. And you know, red tape is bad when you see the police there and it's red tape. It's really bad. So that's a block away. And, and that happens. It, it's and uh, and so for a lot of a lot of Chicagoans, they may get robbed on Michigan Avenue, they get robbed in Lincoln Park, but they don't have gunshots. Mm. Uh, people get killed on their block. You know what I'm saying? Middle of the night. It happened. But somebody got shot up in Halston not far from me the other day. Yeah. No, long story. All right. So, uh, Mark Sims, when you hear that debate uh, that Adolfo was alluding to, the debate, it was basically a debate between Lori and Tony. They were back at it, uh, where Tony Preckwinkle said, you know what? Uh, where, no, Lori Lightfoot started by saying it's the judges. They're letting uh, defendants out, uh, even though they have gun violations, and they, they, the defendants go back to their old bad habits. And Tony Preckwinkle said, no, that's just a, a tiny fraction of people that get let out on bail. And the real problem is we don't have enough detectives to uh, investigate cases, and so there's no accountability for people who commit shootings. Where do you fall uh, on this? Debate? I don't fall on none of that stuff. I mean, all that stuff is a distraction because, like, uh, they always talk about the schools are good. The, the, I think the black uh, male dropout rate, or you know, you know, they fudge the numbers. It's about fifty percent. It's fifty percent fifty years gone out in school. It's about fifty percent now. And so my uh, my thing is like. Uh, I go after the teachers union. I go, you should see my blog. You're going to hate me, Ben. See my oh, blog about the teachers. You don't teacher. have pro teacher. Yeah, I, I dog on mine. I told yeah. them to go sit down. They're not going to innovate. Go sit down. In the sense that I, all I really care about, how are the black boys doing in school? Are they reading at grade level? Everyone knows if you can't read by third grade uh, very well, you're going to struggle the rest of your life. I know this personally, yeah. <laughs> okay? I struggle. I'm still struggling. I can't stand reading, right? <laughs> and so the point is that it, all I care about how the boys are doing in school. And if you're not if you're not talking about that, I really don't want to hear it. And all these 501c3s, all these things they they doing is really about replacing or filling the gap for a child who who doesn't have wonderful parents with resources. That's all it is. You have to teach people how to act. You got to teach people to go go to bed. Teach people to meditate. Teach people to act right. Whatever. And that's what the 501c3s do. And they have to totally change things. When you go, if like I said, most young people in the sit in the CPS, they weren't blessed like a dolphin to go to. Yale, <laughs> right? Well, that's what I want to interview Adolfo about no, going to Yale. To Yale. He went and to Yale. University of Chicago. And the University of Chicago. <laughs> Most of us are not going to do that. Most yeah. of us are going to uh, uh, not even get an associate's degree, not even be blessed enough to go to Lewis and Clark Community College. Yeah, is that Godfrey, yeah. Illinois? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I went. Yeah, yeah. But wait, in defense, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, so we got to we have to have a different education. So we have to help those young people who are not going to get right. that. But in defense of Adolfo, uh, he, he pulled himself. He literally <laughs> did it on his own. He was the first from his uh, right. So look, there's a conservative side of me that agrees with Mark in the sense that when I when I was growing up, it wasn't easy. It wasn't like resources. I wasn't one of these kids that they pulled out of the ghetto and put into a nice little, you know, whatever. I had to go through the system and many times it was a combination of things. It was luck, caring teachers, awesome, awesome caring CP, CPS teachers. Who are union members. Who were who who spotted a gift in me and said, we're going to help this person go somewhere. And also, I worked my ass off, right? Yeah. So there's a conservative side of me that says, yeah, all these kids, I grew up in, in the ghetto and I grew up with gang violence and all that stuff, but I stuck it out and why can't they, right? There's a side of me that understands that argument, but there's also a side of me that recognizes that my success wasn't just my ass pulling myself from my bootstraps. Yeah. Absolutely. There were many, many things that had to happen in order for my success story, educational success story to happen. And like I said, part of it was that there had to be caring enough teachers to, as one of my friends put it, all it took was a teacher putting 
a line underneath your name as opposed to crossing out yeah. your name. See, see you and, and just listen to him, Mark. This is my issue with people who bash teachers uh, in general and the Chicago Teachers Union in particular. Uh, every time there's a kid who flunks out or every time there's a kid who uh, commits a crime, uh, they get mad at the teachers. Oh, well, that's the teacher's fault. Then you look at a guy like Adolfo, and Adolfo uh, is the first person in his genera- in his family to go to college, went to Yale, went to University of Chicago, okay? Uh, but you don't hear the teacher union bashers thinking about the teachers, union teachers, <laughs> who taught out. this kid when he was seven-year-old, Adolfo Mandragon, that right. nobody knew, taught him all, you know, encouraged him to read, encouraged him to write. So you only hear him bashing the teachers when something goes wrong, right? When's the Chicago Tribune ever going to write an editorial <laughs> extolling the virtues of unionized teachers? You're not going to find it. So you can't have it two ways. No, but yeah, yes, I can, because they're, <laughs> okay. they're, the, the unions, I saw Jesse Sarkey walking down the street the other day, I, I left it alone. I didn't want to say nothing to him to his face. I had my big chance. I didn't do it. But the thing about it, they, the union is to there to, is there to help the teachers. Oh, that's correct. They're not there to innovate in education. They're not there, that's not their job. They're not saying, guess what? We're still teaching sort of the same way we did 50, 100 years ago. We have to change because, like I say, most of these young people are not going to get a, a bachelor's degree. It's not happening. So how are you training them for the jobs of the future? Yeah. And without a, a universal basic income, they ain't going to make well, it. Well, I got news for you right now. The Chicago Teachers Union is fighting with Lori Lightfoot to guarantee that every school has a certain number of nurses and every school has a certain number of counselors and every school has librarians. Now, if they're not standing up for the kids by doing that, I don't know what you could say. Well, I, well, I if, I if can't were, stand my library in a writer oh, elementary school. Couldn't stand that, it. That, that, well, the, I, I don't know that woman's okay. name, but I still, you know. Still blame, see what I'm saying? Still blaming <laughs> right. some teacher. That's I right. think there's a lot of resentment there. Look, uh, a lot of bitterness, there, too. That there are inefficiencies uh, and there are some, there is corruption at some level in all unions across all sorts of industries is a fact, mm-hmm. right? And you could see lazy, there are some so-called lazy teachers out there. But that is on the margins. That, that exists on the margins everywhere. I think that what what I think Mark is, is decrying is the fact that it wasn't teachers, but administrations like Dailies and Roms that took away teaching jobs and put young kids that, you know, that were Teach for America and said, they're going to go in there to Englewood and then we're going to burn them out and churn them out and that's going to somehow save us money but also keep us afloat by keeping teachers in there. And that was the wrong approach. Instead of taking that Teach for America kid and making them a great Unionized, uh, no, I, I, you know, teacher. Yeah, they, you they said they just burned them and turned them guys, in there. So no, I'm you, totally union. union. No, Very I'm not I'm against unions. I'm just, I'm, a, I'm for innovation. Uh, okay, but I, I don't know what innovation there is in the, the system that uh, Adolfo is describing. Like only the teaching profession is the only profession where they decide that experience doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Like a lawyer. Yeah. You can have a lawyer 10 years, 15, 20 years on the job. This guy, this this woman, they don't really understand the court system. That's the one you're going to go to. You go to a Phil Court boy. You know, the legendary uh, <laughs> uh, 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 lawyer who used to uh, sue uh, airlines, et cetera, and so forth. That's personal, personal injury. injury yeah. yeah, That's where you go to, right? right? But when it comes to teachers, oh, no, we don't want experience. We want a young person who has no experience whatsoever. <laughs> right. And let's put them in the rough, to me how let's put them in the roughest, toughest yeah, areas. The roughest, yeah. toughest we're areas. Gonna, you know, the other know thing, what, too, is I think that we're also, Mark misplaces some of the, hate 
uh, that shouldn't be going to the union, but should be going to the bureaucracy of what a school system is. Yeah. And they're and, the and, and, ones that are anti-innovation, or you yeah. know, um, you know, they don't want to allow uh, teachers to experiment with maybe saying introducing chess as a teaching you know method or something like yeah. that. They're like, no, 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 we must stick by this old formula. For, and you, you would know? agree for every Adolfo, there's thousands <laughs> that oh, just mean, didn't make it. There's, there's, I don't know about that. I don't you know about, that? about that. You know, every <laughs> over the over my lifetime, I've looked back at my eighth grade graduation picture and you know reminisce oh unfortunately some of these individuals died very young because of gang violence and whatever but the the, oh, the more i go back every, every couple of years i realized that eventually even the people who maybe at, at one point i thought didn't make it made it it took a while but they turned their life around they became you know they they went back to school or they got a trade or whatever and they got out of that lifestyle whatever so when you take a look at so the, now uh, when i look at it yeah. more people i think have made it than when I look back like 10 what, years what, what ago. Were we about 15 years apart? I don't know. Uh, I'm 45, four, gonna be 45. Okay, we're 12 so. years, 12, 13 years apart. Yeah. So, but I like the way, what's the gentleman named Phil? Well, the guy was- Kattner. Now he talked about how schools were back in the day because I started in '67. Yeah. So they were probably maybe a little bit better. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but look, let me. I, I was telling somebody uh, my SAT story. So I went to Curie High School, which is a relatively new school. It was built in the '70s. Mm -hmm. It's the second large. Well, I don't know if it still is. But it was at the time the second largest school in the whole state after uh, Lane Tech, right? The biggest uh, population. It was modern everything. And yet, when I wanted to go uh, to the East Coast to apply to schools there, I had to take the SAT. I went to my counselor. I said, the school counselor, the, the, the college counselor. And I said, I need an application for the SAT because I want to apply to Yale and Harvard and Georgetown. And he said, follow me. He led me to a closet, a broom closet, and he went in there, stumbled around, literally with brooms and, bro you know, and he pulled out the one that they sent him from the SAT, and he said, here you go. That's the application. That, that was the application. Good luck, vaya con Dios. Everybody else here is taking the only ACT. the ACT, which I did too, and yeah. I did better on that. But I was basically said, here you go. And, oh, these other SAT, you know, the, they have the other exams that go along with the SAT, the, uh, I forgot what to call it, the achievement test or something yeah. like that. No mention of that or whatever. So it wasn't like things were handed on a platter yeah. or anything. I had to do a lot of shit on my no, own. No, there's a there's a, <laughs> there's this general notion that there's a, a time in uh, in the history of Chicago. I've heard this ever since I moved here when things were better, and uh, it's a mystical, magical time <laughs> because I don't know when anything was ever better. It's like people who talk about murder in the city of Chicago, <laughs> like it's something that just happened. And ever since I've lived here, Mark Sims, you know, you've heard me, and people have been killing each other in the city of Chicago. I, I, well, I heard years ago on one of the radio stations here, I'm not going to name the name, and I heard Ramsey Lewis saying his high school, I think it was Wales High School, on what's that, Augusta and, and uh, Ashland. Right. I think it was Wales. Ramsey Lewis went to Wells High School? I, okay, it, it may not be. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, that's what I sort of remember. Okay, all right. Yeah. And, uh, and somebody at, uh, on Facebook. Uh, Frank, look at one. Yeah, up. look it up, yeah. <laughs> so he said he had an orchestra, orchestra yes, at, at, at Wales, right? The great jazz pianist. Right. So it was a day when everything was maybe all white. Listen, <laughs> you know what? I think about that a lot, too, when I, when I hear, particularly talk about uh, music uh, curriculum and uh, when I like hear about all the great uh, jazz musicians that came out of uh, Chicago public schools, Benny Goodman. and they extolled the virtue. Yeah, Benny Goodman, Harrison. He High. went to Hall House. Did you know that? That's yeah. where he learned how to play the. the, the but didn't he go to Harrison yeah. High? I, yeah, I but it, but he was yeah. in the public school system. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and so they extolled the virtues of the public school system and how they learned music in public school. But that's and they because took music out of the Chicago public. But you know, but part of that too is, and you make a good point. Um, 
growing up with my uh, grammar school teachers or all teachers that came out of like the depression or world war two era. Right. They, no matter where they were in the economic stratosphere, for some reason, many of them had piano lessons yeah. when they were growing up or whatever. Virtually every single grammar school teacher that I had knew how to play the piano. Yeah. Wow. And so they would like, wow. you know, sing for the, you know, the things that we would do on uh, holidays or whatever. Simple, yeah. And, um, and so I think that there's a, there's a part of it that's a generational thing. I think that that whole generation, they all got like music lessons and music training. And then when they became teachers, yeah. were able to. There's a great know. book about Detroit, which I urge everybody to read about uh, the city of Detroit, in 1964, before uh, the Detroit radically changed in so many ways. Uh, and I, I forget, I think it's called Detroit, a great city or something like that. But it talks about uh, how so many of the stars of Motown are products of the Detroit public schools oh. and the teachers that taught them at an early age they so they got their a lot of musical training in the church obviously when they're right. in the choir but when they went to the public schools they learned like classical music and jazz etc from right. teachers taught them so yes i do believe uh we regress mark sims you're absolutely correct right. partly uh, right but I, part, i'll no, take it i gotta give you credit you're right uh, about that now all right i'm gonna switch gears for a little bit uh while i have the two of you in the <laughs> studio uh to talk a little national politics uh, i teased this uh, before the show began uh, before you came on anyway a poll that showed uh, last week uh, in the uh, Democratic primary that uh, Adolfo's favorite, Bernie Sanders, Adolfo's a huge Bernie fan. I'm curious about what Mark Sims' attitude is about Bernie Sanders. Is now tied with Elizabeth Warren for first place. Uh, it, now, again, it's, it's only one poll. I admit that. It's August, a year, a full year out before uh, the election. But things have changed. Bernie went up six percentage points in this poll. Right. The Monmouth poll. Wow. Plus six. Uh, Elizabeth Warren went up five. Five. And uh, Jolton Joe Biden went down 13. Percentage points, so there's effectively a tie 20% for Bernie, 20% for Warren, 19% for Joe Biden. Uh, Dolfer, are you really feeling the burn now? I'm feeling the burn because he's doing the work, the work that he started four years ago, he hasn't um, let up. And uh, even though I get emails from him saying that money wise, they're doing they're not doing as well as they were four years ago, but it's it's understandable, he has to now partition that with. Other very similar candidates like Warren, who are siphoning off some of that money, um, and yet, and yet, he's still on top, baby. He's, yeah, he's still on top twenty percent because he he his message is consistent. It speaks to a lot of people. I think the fact that it speaks to young people is, in and of itself, speaks volumes mm-hmm. uh, that he, that an old man could you know communicate and be such a revered figure among the youth that's incredible and uh i think that clearly in in the four in the last four years it for all these people who naysayers who said when is this revolution coming bernie (laughs) you're never gonna get all these people to come out and vote in the youth or whatever who who is that imitating (laughs) that is imitating the clintonites of the world see okay uh Uh, you know that were the naysayers the whole political strata on the Democratic side has been universally changed by Bernie. Yeah. Bernie, $15 living wage. Bernie, Bernie, Medicare for all. Bernie, all these issues that were so radical we couldn't pay for them and blah, 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 and all these reasons for why Bernie couldn't win all of a sudden are viable. All right, Mark T. Sims, are you feeling the burn? 
No. No, but I'm going to vote. If, if, <laughs> you know, the thing about it, Joe Paul is almost dead. I mean, in, 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 I mean politically dead. Yeah. In the sense that if he doesn't win Iowa, uh, definitely New, ha- New Hampshire, it's, it's going to burn. over. Yeah. Yeah. It's over. And I think uh, California moved up their primary yes, into did. like Super Super Tuesday or something. Mm-hmm. So this thing could be, we may not even have a political fight at the convention in Milwaukee. It could be over soon. So if Joe wants to win, he's got to win one of the two. Mm-hmm. One of the two, because he may, let's say he wins South Carolina, but that's only if he wins, you know, New Hampshire or, or Iowa. If I was in that campaign, I'd be sweating bullets. <laughs> and that shows you that people yeah. don't, they, yeah. like, I, I like, a, I, I'll vote for any, nobody, anybody, right? I don't care. Even, you even vote for Joe anybody Paul. over uh, Joe, uh, Donald Trump. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna guess. I think Mark likes somebody in the lines of Kamala Harris. No. Yeah, who do you favor? No, right now it was Andrew uh, Wayne. Really? Universal oh. basic income. But yeah. last time I was here, I mentioned Warren and Yang. Yang has moved up. Warren has moved up in some polls. Uh, uh, Warren has moved up five, five percent. Yes, in, she's in, moved in this up. one poll. Yeah. That's right, because she's she is really working it. And the thing is this: uh, universal basic income, universal basic health care. It's not going to be an overnight process, but we need to be marching toward that. Joe Paul is not marching toward that. Yeah. Oh, by the way, speaking of integration, you must have got a kick out of this. I haven't talked to you about this. Uh, Mayor Pete, your favorite, uh, from South Bend, Indiana, came to Chicago, went to the South Side. Let's give him credit. He went to the South Side, and he went to Harold Washington Cultural Center, 47th. And, and it was Drive. for the white people. All white people showed up. I, no, I would consider. No, I mean, he's okay. He, he's a moderate, so we know we don't want to. Forget the moderates. They're not going to win. Now, the thing about... Uh, He's a con man. That's see, what he thing is. About, <laughs> the number one thing about Joe, uh, I mean, uh, Pete, yeah. Mayor Pete was, uh, once his record came out about black folks, and you're a part of that, Ben, <laughs> you, you, Stacey Davis Gates and her brother, you. <laughs> Henry Davis. That's right, Davis, Henry Davis. Yeah. Henry no, Davis, no, no not Henry Davis. Just Henry yeah, gets right. upset on I know. Gates. It's just how the brain works, yeah, Henry. I know. The thing about it is, uh, when I found out how bad he was, I said, dude, man, you toast, man. Because yeah. you ain't going to, st- he has a lot of money, so he's not going anywhere. Right. He's not going anywhere. But he does, at least uh, Andrew Yang has a universal basic income, a lot of stuff. He's really smart. A Warren is really working it. Joe Pods, I don't see how he, I don't see a path. I don't see a path because I may not get, I'll be closer to probably getting uh, Medicaid before I get to university. I'll be retired. Yeah. I won't get to university basic, basic income. I may not get it, but I know somebody's going to have to have it. And it may take a year, ten years to do it. Uh, so we, we have to march toward that. Hard. I, I, I think that the Democratic Party is con- going to come face to face, if this poll is correct, with a real challenging decision that it's going to have to make. And that is uh, accepting Bernie Sanders as its nominee. And that's, that's a challenge. Right. The guy, first of all, won't even come out and call himself a Democrat. Uh, so he's, a, he's an independent. Well, the other day he did and he surprised you, remember? Yeah, he just, <laughs> but, yeah. But that works for a Warren's advantage. If Bernie gets really, really close, they may say, anybody but Bernie go for Warren. Yeah, go for Warren. Yeah. And yeah, but, but exactly. as I've said before, Warren is toast. She goes up against Trump. That Pocahontas thing is. No, I, I, think, I, think, I think that's, that's, that's that. old news. Yeah, I think, it's, I think she can hit it. Our good friend Frank is weighed in on Ramsey Lewis. Oh, yeah. Mark Sims, what did you say your answer was? Uh, I heard Wells. You heard Wells. All right, I'm going to do Regis filming here. Is that your final answer? <laughs> Help me out, guys. <laughs> I don't believe in myself. Yes, my final answer. Ramsey Lewis went to. He went to Wells. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
Thank you, Frank. I wasn't sure of myself. But yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Uh, Mark Sims Thanks, uh, Frank. got it right. And as a result, we're going to give him some Belvita breakfast. Yeah. Brown, uh, cookies, uh, yeah. which he gave to us. We'll be right back after this. Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian Cameron Esposito. Everything that I have ever tried to do has had two motivations. One is I really do believe in trying to create social change. And then the other one is I'm scared and alone too. So I would like for you to join me. You know, every job that I have, I try to make sure to hold the door open. That's like my uh, motto for, for um, like, if I get through, you're coming with me. And I really, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And uh, especially if I have more privilege than you, like I'm holding the door open for you um, even wider. October 12th through the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city, you must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to chicagoideas.com. That's chicagoideas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th for 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Hey, guys, well, you know what's in the air? Football season. That's right. Right, we're coming up close to it, which means that the best sports reporters in Chicago want to offer you, yes, you, our listeners, an exclusive deal on unlimited digital access to all of the stories that you love. Do not miss a game this season. Get all the big plays, scores, and stories from the Chicago Sun-Times. For a limited time only, you can lock in our lowest rate yet. That's Y-E-T yet. Only $29.99 for a full year of all the news and sports that you need to know. Stay up to date on the breaking stories, get the deep dives and investigations from Sun-Times reporters, and go deep inside City Hall with best-in-class political recording, uh, reporting, not recording, reporting. And, of course, cheer for the big games with the best sports team in the city. $29.99 for a full year of unlimited access. I looked and checked, went online. You cannot do better than that. So take advantage of this exclusive deal now at suntimes.com forward slash Ben. Hey, and speaking of Ben, welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, indeed, we are live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Adolfo Mondragona has left the room, but Tom Shepard has entered the room. And generally, Tom Shepard is joined by Jerry Brown, the Southside political know-it-alls. But Tom, apparently Jerry's at the airport or something like that? He's supposed to pick up his aunt today. I see. And she got delayed in Orlando and... 
he had no alternative to, but to wait on her. All right, very good. Well, he's a very uh, devoted uh, nephew right. to his <laughs> aunt, Jerry Brown. We miss him, but uh, Tom Shepard is here, a political activist from a Pullman community and part of the uh, political know-it-alls. Mark Sims has been so gracious to stick around, so he's a political know-it-all as well, and he, too, is from the south side of Chicago. So Please. Th- you know, uh, and uh, as a matter of fact, small world of small, what are you doing? You're just making those noises. Dennis? i got to find a pen because... Because I'll forget Tom's name. Oh, I'm cool. I'm okay, cool. Okay, you are. No, no, yes, like a now, yeah, yeah, you need a piece of paper. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going, man. Uh, and uh, uh, Tom Shepard and Mark Sims are from the same high school. Isn't that amazing? What a small world yeah, it is. Well, we were about 16 years apart, though, right? Finger high. Uh, sounds like it. Yeah. You came out with 64, you said? Yep. I can't do the math because I went to finger. No, you graduated. You started in 60. Started and graduated in 68. 68. Okay, 68. To eighty, what is that? Is that twelve years? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm oh, shocked. Man. I got that one. You don't blame a teacher a, for that? I, hell yeah, I don't blame him, man. Them uh, finger teachers. I was already dumb before I got to finger. All right, now uh, we're having a, a spirited conversation and debate, Tom Shepard, about uh, the role that teachers play in the lives of students. I was defending teachers vigorously. Uh, Mark was sort of taking the op- opposing point of view. Uh, a little hard on the teachers' union, I may think. Uh, what's your general attitude about the teachers that you had coming? up through the system graduate of 1968 Fenger High School back in the day Fenger way down uh, on the southeast side of Chicago what, what, what was your thoughts about the role that the teachers played in your life well I think uh, the majority uh, and just about every teacher that I knew was excellent uh, dedicated and uh, taught pretty well um, the, the uh, my classmates I think uh, did pretty well of course, you know, we always had that one percentage that either dropped out or flunked. And, and uh, I had a tough time getting through my four years. I went to summer school all four years <laughs> <laughs> just to get enough credits to get through. Uh, and so, so I graduated right after uh, the rest of the 68 graduating class after I finished summer school. But I think the teachers were, were excellent. My, my grammar school teachers were unbelievably good and um, so you don't blame so. teachers when you think about your academic struggles as a young scholar at finger high that every summer you had to go to summer school because you were screwed up during the regular year yeah uh your knee-jerk reaction is not to blame the teacher no i don't blame the teachers uh like mark got stumped a little bit on his math a little while ago yeah. that was my that was my bad suit too my math was uh, i had a tough time with math for uh, you know Algebra gave me trouble, so I took it, uh, let's see, one, two, three times. I took geometry twice or three times before I got it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but that third time was really the kicker. Oh, yeah, I got A's, straight A's the third time. So it it finally clicked in. But, no, I don't blame the teachers at all. I think the teachers were good. I I had troubles at at home and outside of school, and and it affected me in my studies. Well, you wouldn't be the first kid uh, at Finger or any school uh, that, that that had that happen. By the way, class of 68, dude, you were right in the middle of the hippie general. Were you anti-war? Were you a hippie? We were, uh, we, 68 was a pivotal year for me. It was, uh, it was exciting and it was also very frightening because uh, most of us in my, my groups anyway, were uh, waiting to get out of school and to see if we were going to get drafted and sent over to Nam to get our butt shot off, and, and uh, so it was frightening. How did and you have, did you did you go get drafted? No, I did not, uh, because the uh, lottery system came into play that year, mm. and I, I waited it out. I think the lottery came after I, I registered for the draft. I remember going up to 63rd and Kedzie to register, 
and and that was scary and, and taking a test and all that stuff and uh, just waiting to get called. But then the lottery system came in, and I drew a very high number, 361 out of 364. Oh, my. So, <laughs> you were a lucky guy. Right, right. But um, I, I had enlisted in, our, in the final year of school on a deferred enlistment, and I was going to go in. We, we had the uh, recruiters come out to school and tell us, you know, you got to enlist because otherwise you know you're going straight over to Nam if you if you don't uh, if you get drafted. But if you enlist, you get your choice. You might go to Germany, you might stay in the states. So uh, I, I took him up on that. But uh, and I think you'll like the story because it's a Chicago political story. Uh, when I got that 361 number. I uh, changed my mind, and I said, I don't think I want to enlist, <laughs> and uh, went back to the recruiter and told him I want to rescind my enlistment. Oh, no, you can't do that. Uh-uh, there's no way. You know, you're in the Army now, buddy, and I said, no, man, I don't like this, so I'm at home, and I'm talking to my dad. Now, here's the Chicago political story. So what did he do? I mean, we didn't know what to do, uh-huh. but he talked to the precinct captain. For the ninth Ward? Was it the ninth no, Ward? No, <laughs> at that time it was 21st Ward, <coughs> right near Fanger High School. Mm-hmm. It went 21st, 30, it's 34. Oh, they redistrict the heck out of that area because yeah. 21st is not near Fanger High now, but go ahead with right. your story. And I think our alderman was a guy named Sam Yaksik. And uh, so the precinct captain went to Sam. Sam went to our congressman. And the congressman was able to... Barrett O'Hara? No, I don't think it was him. I think it was uh, a guy named Murphy, if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Maybe Morgan Murphy yeah, or something like that. Yeah, I like think that. that may be right, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. But, but it was an Irishman anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know O'Hara, Murphy. <laughs> Why? What's the difference? Yeah, yeah, go on. So, I mean, to me, and, and so wait, uh, you, you, I grew the, up... The precinct captain went to the congressman. The precinct captain went to the alderman, uh, committeeman, yeah. and the committeeman went, went to, to the, the congressman. congressman. And, and what did the congressman so, do? He magically made it disappear, and I didn't have to go. <laughs> Good old Chicago. Oh, man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Chicago. Chicago way, That's baby. Right. <laughs> so suddenly some other kid had to go instead. Well, yeah. sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a city it is. <laughs> so uh, what did you do uh, saved from having to uh, go off into the Army? What did you do? Uh, well, I went to work. I worked two jobs and I got married real early. I got married, I think I was 19 or 20, I forgot, but I got married and uh, started a family when I was 21. And I was uh, very industrious. I worked and I sold stuff on the side and uh, went around to taverns and sold trinkets and, and jewelry and all kinds of stuff. And ran a little poker game on the side, <laughs> whatever I needed to do to make a living. Yeah, wow. Uh, you would have done well in the Army, I think, uh, Tom. You would have done well if you could have just uh, kept off the front lines. That was part of the problem. Yeah. What a def- what a pitch, Mark Sims. They would tell people, if you enlist in the Army, there's a chance that you won't go to Vietnam. That's the pitch. No, I used to hear that when I was in high school, not because Nam was over, but the point is that you used to hear, like, you if you enlist, then you get treated better or something. You know, I used to hear that crap yeah. back in the day. What a line to get you in. Uh, let's get, get a little more local now. We were One of the items we were going to talk about uh, with the uh, Southside political know-it-alls is the casino. I'm going to have a, a, to, a told-you-so moment here. Uh, Tom Shepard, the last time you uh, were on the show, we were talking that uh, the city, Lori Lightfoot, 
had put two sites, I think it was two sites, doing this off the top of my head, from your neck of the woods, from the southeast side, actually not that far from where Mark Sims lives as well, uh, uh, as a list of uh, for um, uh, for the casino. And I said, uh, I don't believe ultimately the uh, site of the next casino was on the list of neighborhoods that Lori Lightfoot uh, has is proposing. And sure enough, here we are, what, about a month or so later, two months later, and <laughs> the South Side off the list. Uh, so I guess... Uh, well, I don't think Lori Lightfoot proposed those. I think there was a gambling uh, concern that uh, some kind of a consulting group that that selected those five sites, mm-hmm. and, and they were recommended to this... this uh, uh, consulting firm, but uh, Lori Lightfoot, I don't think liked the liked the ideas, or she certainly looked at the numbers and saw that uh, each of them had drawbacks that they weren't going to uh, bring enough revenue in. And number two, I guess when they uh, dealt things out down in Springfield, they they cut the uh, profits so much and taxed so much that the uh, uh, it wasn't attractive for large casino companies to uh, to bite on it with the revenues that they would have gotten in those outlying five sites. So uh, I think Lori Lightfoot said uh, that it's got to be near downtown just to make the numbers work. And apparently she's going to go back down to Springfield and ask them to rework those, those numbers a bit so that it would be uh, appealing to a casino company. Mark, are you disappointed that uh, a casino is not coming to the south side of Chicago? No, I don't care. But you know, I I don't know. I don't gamble. I rarely, really. I bet $20 every once in a while. I was out in, uh, like I said, I told you before, South Bend. I dropped $20, $20 at the casino out there, and I went on back home. Mayor Pete wasn't in town that day. <laughs> and I didn't know uh, uh, Henry Davis back yeah. in, when you, before I went out there. I think they, whatever they should do, they really, I think they should consider. I don't know. I'm not a numbers cruncher. And they should consider a main one and a few satellite uh, casinos, small. I don't think going to be uh, profitable, but tied to whether they make a big one or a small one. I think they should have showrooms, like shows. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It could be big shows, little shows. What is not just gambling. It's like okay, I don't gamble, but I will go to the casino because I'll see the sh- the regular show they have all the time, and maybe I'll drop twenty bucks or something. So I think they maybe should have something on the south side or su- or south suburbs to keep people from going to Indiana. You know what I'm saying? But you're like, I, I, I can, hey, I don't care. They got it downtown. I don't go downtown anyway. Yeah. I'm going. To, I'm still going to Indiana. So I think they should have something now south to keep take some of that money from Indiana. Then you have maybe one that competes with Rivers. I don't know. Maybe the Rivers people don't like that way out near near not Rosemont. What's the other next town? Des Plaines, mm-hmm. uh, or something west. You know, it's, you know, because from Aurora to downtown is a long way. People like, I don't feel like going downtown, but I'll, I'll go to dare I say Austin? <laughs> Who knows? Somewhere on the far west side, and uh, it has to be a nice, safe casino. You know, enough to make money. And the key for me is shows. You have to have shows, mm-hmm. local shows, big names, little names. So, and I know some of the show lounges may not like it, but I'm saying they got it. Not just casino, mm-hmm. the shows, because uh, some people go to Vegas just for the shows. You know, so they say. Yeah, that's what they say. And- and uh, so what's going to happen on the south side now that the casino's not coming there, or the southeast side? Well, uh, I don't think they've given up. I, I met with a developer uh, at the Lake Calumet site uh, who's been pushing it and promoting a, a hotel and a casino out there for quite some time. And uh, they haven't given up yet. I think I think they were a little bit despaired by what they saw, but uh, there's still hopes that 
it could happen at Lake Calumet. The other site out that way was 87th and the lakefront where mm-hmm. U.S. Steel used to be, and they've got hundreds of acres out there. That's tricky uh, to get to, though. Hmm? It's easier to get to Lake Calumet than uh, 87th. No, Absolutely, that's wait, the problem. How far is it to get from 87th and the... It's not that hard to get there. Oh, Just yes, shoot it, down... Uh, yeah. once, once, once you get off the drive and you got to right. get through South Shore. And, right. But don't you have the direct... The, the, the direct route to 87th? Yeah. Are you talking about 87th mm. in the lake? No. 87th in the lake. Yeah. No, no yeah. that's not. That's not. No. Yeah. How much you want it back? They no. got a direct route there. Doesn't he sound, go, like, a, doesn't no, he sound no, no. like a north sider? I, I'm, I'm going out there tonight. Tom, I, Tom, I doesn't know he sound the like area. a north sider? He sound like a north sider. Yeah, no. you, you don't know that. I'm I'll not be there tonight to watch I'm a film. I'm not a Chicago and I always, See, and now, yeah, now, here's a little trivia question. What, what were they trying to push in Lake Calumet years and years ago? They were trying to put something out there. I can tell you. No, I know you can tell things. them. Yeah, what about no this idea. North Sider? Uh, no, 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 if you think about it, you can. Oh, yeah. He'll you, remember. He'll remember. They tried to push a. I'm sending you a telecommunications. Oh, tele- yeah. Uh, An airport. airport. Oh, the airport. I wrote That's about right. the airport. Yeah. That right. was a long time That's ago. That's right. That was early 90s. Oh, my goodness. They were going to uh, take Hegwish out and That's pave right. over Hegwish. Yeah. Right. Did a story about that. For, a couple stories about that for the reader. Unbelievable. <laughs> that was Mayor Daly's scheme. Right. Very good. Right. You, were, you know, you were sending me those vibes. I, I'm like, I wasn't huh? strong enough, man. Huh? But, the, but the thing about it, the, the same problem with Lake yeah. Calumet Airport is what? It's hard to get from Lake Calumet back downtown. I don't think it's that hard to get to 87th and the lake. I'm telling oh, you. We, right we need we want to get in the car with this guy, Tom. Come on. <laughs> Dennis, you, you go, game, Dennis, let's take, go. Let's get in the car, uh, man. You, you take the drive and you get off, uh, what is it, uh, at just south of Jackson uh, 71st Street. Yeah, 60. and then you, you go through swing. You go through Terratown first. First, you go Terra through Terratown. They used right. to call it Terratown right. back in the day. But wait, there's a direct access. I just Terratown. Terratown. It was last time you went to Terratown. People double parked all the time, all over the place. Am I right? Yeah. Buses. Buses stopping and you know I'm, I'm not really raising the flag because I just took Dennis. Well, it was about yeah. a year ago. I took Dennis. I drove Dennis down to the far southeast side. And we oh. took. Remember, we got lost in Jeffrey. That's a whole other. See, story. see, yeah. see, right. see. Is it, it's hard. Well, there were two Jeffrey Boulevards. Nobody told yeah, yeah. me. Right. Uh, Sue Sedlowski Garza. If she were listening, she would be pretty ticked off at me for saying this, but it is very, very difficult. Oh, to she get would to be that so spot. ticked off right now, yep. and she'd be screaming and yelling. Uh, <laughs> Tom Shepard right. in the studio. Mark Sims. We're gonna take a break and be right back. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh, wow. Look at that building. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. This is a awfully big body of water. We're looking for a needle in a haystack. 
and we're talking about a needle that moves constantly. He's checked the floating traps he hand curated. Right now is a combination of drumsticks, rats, and uh, smelt. Yum. Well, as far as the gator goes, that's a pretty good offering. We're hoping that the, the wind blowing the scent across the water will catch his attention. We're all speculating on, on whether he grew up in somebody's you know, bathtub or backyard or something. He's enjoying the, the five feet of water. He probably was raised in six inches. If we could find the animal, we can capture the animal. Today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by Green Element Resale. It's located at 6241 North Broadway in Chicago, and people, it is amazing. Furniture, lamps, appliances, books, candles, antiques, and more. It is a thrift shop, but it's the only thrift shop that helps bring you the Ben Jarofsky Show. So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, Stop in and say thank you. It's Green Element Resale. Find what items they have and more at greenelementresale.com. I actually saw Ben there over the weekend uh, shopping for candles. He loves candles. It's Green Element Resale, greenelementresale.com, 6241 North Broadway in Chicago. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, please take us home. Okay, yes, indeed. Tom Shepard in the studio. One half of the Southside political, political know-it-alls. Jerry Brown couldn't make it. Mark Sims also in the studio. Another political know-it-all from the Southside. Please. So it's like we have the Southside political know-it-alls in there. Uh, we have a few more questions I want to ask these gentlemen before we get out of here. But before we do that... Got an update for us, Dennis? Absolutely, I do. Two updates here. Number one, uh, we are on Facebook Live. We Facebook video live stream this program now. And if you're watching this video on Facebook video live stream, hey, I want to talk to you. Hey, have you liked the Ben Jarofsky show on Facebook yet? J-O-R-A-V as a victory. Well, you're on the page. If you're watching it, go like the Ben Jarofsky show on Facebook. I'm looking at you and Tom. Ben's pointing at you, too. It looks like a microphone. That's a camera. That's a camera. It's not smell-o-vision because I didn't shave nor bathe today. Yeah, no, it's smell-o-vision. No smell what, what was that movie where they had smell-o-vision? Let's talk about the Facebook oh, page. J-O-R-A-V as a victory, S-K-Y, <laughs> yeah, at okay. Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Give us a like. We are almost to 2,000 likes in as soon as we get to 2,000 likes, people, we are going to have a caption contest. So if you are watching this and you're already a fan of the Ben Jarofsky Show and you've liked the page, go tell your friends, share it. And when we hit 2,000 likes, we will have our next caption contest. I'm not sure what kind of caption contest we'll have, Ben, but it's going to be a fantastic one. So head over to the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page. If you're downloading and you've yet to like it, what's wrong with you? Go like the page, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. And Jarofsky is J-O-R-A-V as in victory, S-K-Y. All right, on to some news here. We'll go ahead and file this one under, yeah, who cares? All right, let's see here. Alligator hunter Frank Robb. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah. Alligator Robb? Well, he has a girlfriend now, guys. <laughs> Slow news day. Gator guy. That's an alligator girlfriend or a human girlfriend? Oh, it's a human girlfriend. Way to Just go, Just want to Rob. make sure. Alligator Robb. By the way, the skinniest human I've ever seen. My Lord, he's scrawny. Yeah. Uh, he says here, uh, they asked if Rob had a girlfriend. Friend. And remember, Rob's from uh, Florida. He says, quote, I reckon you can call her that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's see here. Let's see. Uh, he told the Chicago Sun-Times Tuesday when a phone conversation veered from alligators to the fact he was in town over the weekend at a Cubs game with someone. Ooh. Wait, he was just in town? 
I guess so. Well, yeah. Well, he has a girlfriend, yeah, so he's going to he see his girlfriend. Chicago now. All right. Well, I tried to care as much as I could about that, but boy, I really don't. Yeah, Alligator Rock, long gone. Uh, at the Gator story in Humboldt Park, and uh, Micah, our good friend Micah, just want to throw this out to Micah, a young scholar who's writing a book about Bernie Sanders. Micah uh, took a break or two uh, only to go look at the Gator. Right, D. He's back at hard at work. He's back at work uh, on that book. He's, get back in that work, that book, Micah. All right. All right. Uh, now, uh, Mark, you had a question you wanted to ask a uh, young Tom. Shepard. Yeah, I, the main, one thing about Finger High School, and Tom may know this guy. First, you don't go back to Elliot Ness. He went to Finger High School, okay? <laughs> I heard that. That was a lore when I was a kid, and that's true, right? Elliot Ness went yeah, to Finger High School. his parents had a bakery in Pullman, where I live. I did not know that. And also, which I re- read recently on Wikipedia, that uh, the great director Robert Zemeckis attended. So he was like two years younger than you, Tom. I think he left in 70. Yeah, we're, we're pretty close. Wait, you know Zemeckis? I don't know him personally, no, but the uh, the Pullman factory and the administration building mm-hmm. and that whole setup there was his inspiration for uh, Back the, to the uh, North Pole, uh, no, the uh, Polar Express. Oh, Polar Express. Oh, Polar Polar Express. Yeah, yeah. Finger yeah. High School. Wow. He was at just over the other side of the tracks from me. Mm. And, of course, uh, another, I think he graduated from Finger, or he attended at least, uh, Mark's good friend, Paul Vallis. Went oh, to uh, he always, he does mention that. Yeah, he went to, I don't know if he graduated from Finger, but you he went to What Finger. happened to Paul? He's out there somewhere, right? He, Running for well, mayor he somewhere. Thr- right? He allowed his hat to be thrown in the ring to be the uh, led, the budget director yeah. for the uh, the legislate the alderman in the city council. I don't think it's going anywhere. But Tom, what grammar school you attended? I graduated from Brennan, which is about four blocks from Finger. When he said Brennan, like, Brennan? I'd never heard of Brennan. Brennan, well, now it's called Alex Haley. And I'm, I'm a proud graduate of, uh, I'm a white guy, but I graduated from Alex Haley Grammar School and Fanger Academy for African, Fanger African American, what, what is it called now? They I know, it was Christian Finger when I went there. Yeah, well, it was <laughs> I know they, Fanger, they, they, but, but yeah. it's for African American studies yeah. or something yeah. like that. Alex so, Haley, of course, is the yeah. great writer who uh, yeah. was the co-author with Malcolm X, the autobiography of Malcolm X. Now? Anna Roots. Roots, too. Oh, Roots. We can talk about Roots next time. We're going to talk about Naked Boys. So here we are. Here we go. Naked Boys. Now, Tom, the legend goes, back in the day, when the boys swam at Finger, because it was all boys gym, all girls gym. Yep. It switched when I was there in the 70s. Mm. It became co-ed, and that's a whole nother. We'll talk about that next time. Did you swim naked, Tom? Uh, I had to swim naked, and... uh, (laughs) And, and I ran with some guys that in the wintertime, they would break the windows on the pool so that the pool would freeze over and we didn't have to swim on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Those finger kids, they were always an industrial No, they bunch. said that was a thing for the whole CPS. No, it's not just CPS. I want to tell you that. Evanston High School were just swimming naked, too. Wait, you swam naked? Yeah, I swam naked. It was really weird. Yeah. They would parade all the kids, all the boys into the school. Hot young boys. And we were all naked. Hot young and boys. I've heard so many funny stories. Hot people, young boys. Yeah, okay, keep saying hot <laughs> young boys. And what a uh, turn this show's taken. Yeah, I know. And so it's very bizarre and very weird. And I think about it from time to time, uh, Mark Sims, that that kind of like, I don't know where they were going with, uh, going at with this swimming naked thing. It was uh, hygiene. That's what they We're said. Hygiene. 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 How you doing? Yeah, you're Heine in some jeans. I, I never understood. <laughs> I think it was torture. I think it was a power play by yeah. some weird sicko people yeah. that ran not just Chicago public schools, but Evanston. And I know uh, a friend of mine, who I think he went to uh, Fenwick High School, uh, which is the Catholic school over in Oak, Oak Park. Park. And uh, they swam naked, too. So a lot of weird stuff well, going on. We didn't on. swim naked in the 70s, but we had these little skimpy little... 
I wouldn't even call them short. They were like skimpier than Speedos. Speedos. And we had to take them off and throw them in the bin so they can wash them. <laughs> and it was like, it was just, it was just, it was just bizarre, man. Yeah, very bizarre. And Somebody got off on it. I know that. Yeah. And they had so much bleach in that pool. That for the rest of the school day, I couldn't see. My, my eyes were like clouded up. See, now that's your problem. That's why you didn't do, do so well in uh, He's right. geometry. Man, we, we, I forgot about the bleach. Your eye, all right? It's been like a Clorox bottle. All right, oh, before man. we get out of here, uh, Tom Shepard, I'm going to force you to give a grade. Everybody's giving uh, Lori Lightfoot grades these days. She's yeah. your mayor, too. Uh, she's been mayor for about 100 days or so. Uh, she's very upset by the grade giving thing, by the way. Uh, no, now someone's giving her a grade. Suddenly she's just like, 100 days is an arbitrary date, and I shouldn't be given a grade. But what the heck? What's your uh, grade that so, you're giving uh, Lori Lightfoot? So she came into town to remark on that? Or, yes. Or what? Yeah, oh, she flew she, in from Maine. Yeah. So Lori. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tom Shepard oh, signaling the grade he gave her maybe uh, not that good. Uh, but anyway, yeah. What yeah grade would you well, give I, I think she's disappointed a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, some of the issues that that she's disappointed people on uh, didn't mean a whole lot to me, but I, I see that she's not done so much with the teachers' union. You were talking with te- about the teachers earlier, mm-hmm. and uh, so I think that's that's a problem with her. That's really uh, something she's got to deal with when when she gets to town. And um, when she gets, she is back in town. I just want to throw oh. that out there. She's back home from Maine. Okay. All right. Yeah. I saw her, I think on page two of the Sun yeah. about the grades. Yes. And, uh, uh, and on the uh, casino issue and on the Obama library, let's not forget that because oh, yeah. she's been kind of silent on that. And, uh, I, I think some of the, the, the people that really helped put her in are rather upset with her. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, what, I, I, what grade would you give her? Well, I, I would have to say a C minus, C minus, something like that. Mm-hmm. Wow, man, everybody's harder. I gave her an A for not being Rom. Uh, all right, well, okay, uh, okay, gotta give her. We all agree on that. Yes. I gave her an A for sending Ed Burke out to purgatory. Okay. Give her an A in that one, and then I think I uh, overgraded her on tips. I gave her a D. I really should have given her an F on tips because she hasn't done anything to reform the tip program, which is a freaking scam, as we all know. I think all three of us agree on that. So uh, not greatest grade. I mean, A for not being Rom. I, any one of us would have gotten an A for not being Rom, because none of us are Rom. Um, so anyway, so you're giving her a C minus. And Mark, I can't remember. Did you duck and dodge and not yeah, give her I gave anything? her an A because I took a picture of her right here. Oh, I told I you that. Right, yeah. The thing about it, if you, when you're one of your bonus shows, uh, maybe bring in somebody who's a historian on the Jane Byrne term, the one term of Jane Byrne, because she got the big head with the teacher. The teacher's boy, she was supposed to people to board, the teacher board, yes, you know. And it, you don't remember that. You remember that time. No, there was a strike. Jane Byrne had a strike within her first year uh, of firemen. firemen and the CTA. Yep. And then the schools ran out of money, and uh, they, they went up with a pay, payless payday, and the teachers w- uh, went on strike. You're not getting paid. I mean, you know. Yeah, but so. she, I'm saying, she, uh, Jane Byrne, I, as I barely remember, she got the big head after she won, and they tossed her out. Four years later, yeah. I would have voted for Jane Byrne, but I was still at Finger High School. But I voted against Jane Byrne and for Hare Washington in '83. Oh, yeah. The thing about it is that uh, Lori Life was very smart. We, you know, you, I met her right here. Yeah. But somebody, somebody needs to send her your bonus show when you have a story on. Talk about that first, because if she doesn't do very well the next this the first year or after Kim Fox gets knocked out, they'll be coming for her head. Okay, now that uh, Kim Fox. and I li- and I like I like uh, Lori Life. I think she, you know, she could have a two terms, but. 
But she got you got to bring her stories in about that Jane Byrne because she was only there what time? Uh, one one term. term. Yeah, yeah. one right. term. 1973. Kim Fox getting knocked out. We're going to hold that thought for another time. I don't think Kim Fox uh, that that's a done deal uh, yet. But Mark will hold that off for, for the next time we're on the show. Uh, Tom Shepard, thank you so much for coming in. Uh, Mark Sims, you have your podcast. You're gonna. Oh, just a few questions. Just, just surf the. Hey, go to your Facebook page. Maybe it'll be on there. <laughs> All right. But do we have a? Do we have your the, the interview you did with you post on our Facebook page yet? No, no. We'll, we'll do that. Oh, we'll Dennis do that was way. cool. Yeah. I can do a whole hour about Dennis. Oh, oh I much. No, 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 you got the vacuum cleaner. I know, going no, on but I'm gonna bring you back because I messed up your interview. Right, you gonna come back? Uh, that's Mark Sims. Tom Shepard's in the studio as well. The great Adolfo Mondragon was in here earlier in the day, and of course behind the board, the man, the myth. The legend, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. And as Tom Shepard and Mark Sims can tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. That's Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Hey, and remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky show and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com forward slash pages forward slash Jarofsky, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. Big thanks to everybody who watched us on the Facebook video live stream. You can find us on Facebook at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show on Facebook and Twitter. And hey, downloaders, we live stream the program. It's true. Check us out sometime, Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time at both Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader websites, and the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel. See you tomorrow.